Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon. Joining me today, we got a full house. We got Eric Lopez in the house. What's up, Elo? Not much. Uh, slow news. You know, slow day. You know, slow news day. Yeah. Uh, we got Kyle Nash here, the student of the game, joining us. What's up, Kyle? Glad to be aboard, gentlemen. Proving once again that you can't spell more ta- talk without Timo. Little reference <laughs> what we got going on today. Oh boy, we got and a lot of people got, on this show. We, we got, got a lot. Yeah, this is a full house, man. Like I feel like I should have, I should have, I, I should have, you know, prepared a charcuterie for this show, man. Bryson Turner's here. What's up, Bryson? I'm doing great, Jeff. Semester is over. I am free from academic. Oh, I bet you're happy. That's right. Yes. And, and after everything that's broken today, oh, man, I am excited. Oh, Bryson's the only okay. person on this show that didn't do an interview today on this no, show. No, it's a, Bryson, Bryson being a student just, you know, had a Red Bull. And, you know, <laughs> this is what we're too old for that, to, to quote Danny Glover. But uh, anyway, listen, we got a huge show for you today. Two massive interviews that you're going to love. First up in this segment, Terry Mahajer, Athletic Director, Vice President at UCF, um, dropping some news on us left and right that you're going to want to hear um, and giving us an inside look. I, I mean, this is the first time we've had Terry on the show, um, just on a, on a one-to-one basis, although it was one-to-two with me and Eric. But um, every bit as awesome as well. I mean, we didn't have enough time with him. Like, I, it, not his fault. I mean, it's... Obviously, but like I could sit there and talk with 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 Terry for like three hours on stuff because he's so engaging to talk to. He's so, he's and you're gonna love this interview coming up in the second segment. New head coach of UCF women's basketball, Satya Messer, in the house, joining us to talk about the state of her program coming up. She's in the process right now of adding um, not just uh, not just players to her roster, which was you know obviously like we've talked about before, decimated by transfers and graduations, but adding her assistant coaches, which she announced uh, on Wednesday, um, including a familiar face. We talk, uh, so we talk with uh, coach Messer about that, get, you know, a little bit more in depth on her background, her playing career, her coaching career, Kyle, you and I are going to debrief that. And uh, later on in segment three, Bryson is going to, uh, is going to talk with us about some postseasons. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, baseball and Eric, and of course Eric Lopez. For like thirty give us seconds, updates. folks. Don't worry, we're going to keep it positive on this show. <laughs> well, baseball was baseball played down in Miami today. Uh, top like I 10 said, we're team. keeping it positive. We're they scored double positive. figures against Miami. I just want to say, I just want to state yeah. that for the record. 
and uh, a little bit of transfer news, and uh, most especially Eric Lopez is going to catch us up on softball uh, and yeah. another historic weekend. <clears throat> we got so much on this show, man. Yeah, you're going to hear when from it- Sydney. In fact, you're going to hear for the first time from Sydney Ball Malone talking about the comp- winning the conference championship and what uh, what's ahead in Greenville. I know it's big for UCF winning that um, regular season championship. They play one less game in the American tournament. They get, they don't get whacked on the RPI quite as much. Um, are they going to host Eric Lopez? Are they going to host? Tuned. Stay tuned. We'll break that down. All right. So first let's get to the, the main man on this show uh, here in the first segment, the boss himself, Terry Mahajer, uh, vice president and director of athletics uh, for UCF, joining us, the boss himself, UCF's athletic director, Terry Mahajer, joining us for the very first time on our program. Terry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking time for us. We've been trying to get you on here since you signed on, and we finally did it. How are you, man? Great, man. Well, you know, I, I love the boss. Every time I hear the word the boss, I think of Bruce Springsteen. So, uh, um, See, now you're talking about yeah, So, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, born to run, huh? Anyway, uh, you guys probably you're probably too young to know Bruce Springsteen, aren't you? No, no, oh, we love Bruce no, Springsteen. No, no, Come on, no. oh, okay. God. I, dude, on. I am from New Jersey, man. Oh hell, man, that's your the theme patron song, saint of the Garden State. Yeah. Oh man, I love his earlier stuff. Song. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, appropriate uh, lyrics in his songs that remind the guys that are over fifty. Uh, can uh, definitely relate to. So, hey, gl- glad to be on, and thanks for inviting me. And uh, let's, oh, I'm excited to talk to you guys. All right, let's dive right in. So, I, I wanted to ask you first about, you know, some questions about, you know, what your past and and how you came here. And I know it's, I, I know it's, it's been a while, but you know, you came into one of the things that I was excited about when you came on board is you came into looking at your background into athletic administration from coaching, and that used to be pretty common in college athletics, but now it's not so much. I feel like most ADs and administrators these days follow like the career administrative path yes. right out of, right out of the gate in their careers. But I sense in watching you and, and, you know, and I think of like when you were on the sidelines at the football games, you still have a lot of coach in you still. How does that inform your approach as an athletic? Well, person? it's not just, it's, it's not just the coach. It's also the former student athlete. Um, you know, I was, um, you know, played college football, uh, coached and as an AD, there's not many ADs, um, sitting ADs in the country that have done all three. Um, there's a few, and I think it's definitely helped us with shaping our principles and, and just the way that we manage on a daily basis with our coaches and, and our student athletes. Um, yeah, it's, it's not very common anymore. You've got a lot of sports management or MBAs that are, in, or even law degrees uh, that are in our, our space now. Um, I do think it, there, there are some missing elements with some of those folks. And I'm not saying every one of them, but some of the folks that haven't been through it before. And, and you know, you, you've heard the saying, well, uh, well, you know, you, you don't have to have a heart attack to be a heart surgeon. Well, but you have to know the you have to know the heart very intricately uh, to be a heart surgeon. And I think without, without uh, 
you know, being on the fields and sweating during two days or whatever the sport you may have played and, and coached the student athletes and, and have done curfew and have had, had student athletes come to your, your room and say, I don't have any money. Uh, my family's, you know, got this challenge going or, or I've got a girl for me. My girlfriend just broke up. I mean, those are all, those are all missing elements. That's part of the management and connectivity with your students and your, and your personnel uh, your your staff is really important, um, and you know, look, listen. It's a very emotional, a very emotional enterprise, very emotional game, and you know, listen. I, I I'm just I get tough on staff, but I also try to love them up at times, and you know, just like a coach does with their, you know, you, you, in order to, you know, get tough and be um, pretty rigid and a little more edgy, uh, you have to also have a relationship to do that, or it just becomes a toxic relationship. So, you know, the best coaches in the business uh, that you see just get on their players and the players stay and they stick. Those are the ones that have really good relationships with players. The national media will see, Oh, he's yelling at that kid. Like, how does he, how do you yell at somebody like that? Well, you know what? They usually have pretty, the, the ones that don't have good relationships. Those kids won't stick. And and so I think it's, it, it it translate right right is right into uh, staff members, and so um, you know I, I think those are I think those have really helped and served me well. Um, the other portion of that I knew I knew what it was like when I graduated right before I graduated college and I didn't have any skills and so that's why the hundred percent job placement or grad school placement program that we have is so important to me because I saw hundreds of athletes that finished their eligibility that weren't prepared for the real world and they weren't going to go to the NFL or the NBA. And, you know, that was why my core principles every single day is about student leadership, student academy, academics, career services. Um, not, not to mention the competition on the field. The other portion is career services and uh, you're judged by your alumni. And, um, you know, I don't want any nights that finish their eligibility here to not have a job. And we're the only school in the country that guarantees that. And it's not, it's not an easy task, but it's the right task in my mind. And I'm surprised if more schools don't do it. I'm glad we're the only school that does it. And I think a lot of that has to do with me being a former player and former coach. And, uh, um, you know, it's just helped shape my, my, uh, um, my, my views and my principles in, in this, in this space. So sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, you've been here for a year and a half now, just about what's, you know, uh, you've already accomplished a lot, but what was your biggest surprise in this first year and a half here in Orlando? Um, well, I knew the fan base was passionate. Uh, and so that was not a surprise, but that was um, very refreshing about how passionate the, the fan base is and how, how large it is. I think the thing that probably the surprised me the most is how the students love going to school here. Uh, I'm not just talking about student athletes, students and student athletes love the school. And one of the first things I did when I came on campus, maybe the first week and a half, I went and got about a hundred Starbucks gift cards and walked on campus and gave a $5 Starbucks gift card to every student I could see and just talked to them. Hey, uh, I introduced myself. My name is Terry Mahajer. Here's go get a Starbucks on, on behalf of the athletic department. And just to talk to, hey, how do you like school? 
every I've, I've talked to every you know what your ethnic background was you, you know you look like an introvert or an extrovert some some would barely talk some would but I always said hey how do you like going to school do you like school I love it almost every one of the students said they love the school and that gave me a lot of uh, excitement because when you have your greatest ambassadors are your students and your former students and when you have that type of passion for your your campus of how much they love the school you can do a lot and that was one of my biggest surprises. And, and even when my first day on the job, I met with the football team before I did my press conference and I brought the leadership committee together and I asked them all, do you love campus? I mean, didn't, we didn't have one transfer. We had a, we were in between coaches. We didn't have one kid that put themselves in the transfer portal at all. Uh, and so it was, uh, it was uh, it's very refreshing. And that was probably my biggest excitement but we've, we have done a lot of things and we've had a lot of initiatives we've got a lot of things done uh you know we're not going to stop now we've got a lot more to do well one of the biggest things obviously in your tenure that you've had to this point obviously the move to the big 12 and it's I, for our for our perspective for me and eric you know we started school at the start of this century as students and you know back when we were d1 independent and so to see ucf now on the verge of joining the big 12 is uh is both phenomenal and also really fulfilling because you know we always thought that this this program could compete at that level so let me ask you real quick about that um what's yeah. the latest on the big 12 move the buyout and all that i know you're oh, still, eyeball deep in those negotiations yeah we're still working on that um that's that's an ongoing situation so uh, really nothing new to report except that we're working on it it's been collegial and just trying to figure out a number i mean you, yeah. re you read some stuff out there so that's pretty pretty um pretty bland there. I just, we're just working on it and, and uh, nothing real exciting to, to report. Um, but the one thing I will, I will tell you that about the, con uh, the, the uh, conference realignment stuff, I, I, I figured it out. I've been through six conference realignments in my career. Wow. And so um, I, I think that if, I mean, the, the one thing that, and I don't, it never really came up when I was interviewing, to be honest with you. Hey, what's your experience with conference realignment? But after I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I've been prepared. I, I was in the Big 12 twice when it had conference realignment. Went from the Big 8 to Big 12. I was working there. And then the second time I worked there in Kansas, uh, we went from, you know, you had, you brought in TCU, uh, Colorado, Nebraska, and AM left. Um, and the Sun Belt, I was in the Sun Belt FAU. We, we joined the Sun Belt. Um, and then we went through it twice in my last place. So I was prepared. I was always preparing for conference realignment. <clears throat> and even at my previous school, we were preparing for conference realignment. And so I felt like I had a pretty good handle on at least that being prepared. Now, whether you get invited or not, that's a whole different situation. So when we first got here, one of the first things I did was I tried to get it with as many analytics people, national analytics people, to get our numbers um, situated. And so not knowing when the Oklahoma, Texas thing came up, we were we we had a bunch of stuff that's already out there in the media. And I think it just became uh, so you're a little we were kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. Nothing like we knew that was going to happen definitively, but we just thought, hey, there's something that was kind of brewing a little bit out there you just got to be prepared and didn't know where it was going to come from you just kept hearing some stuff at least i was 
Um, and so, um, you know, that's why you got to go to these national events and national things, and you got to talk to media and you got to talk, you got to, you know, develop relationships because they will talk to you about that. And they will, you can hear, and you know, in our business, what I have learned is that even though it seems like a myth or it seems like uh, too good to be true, uh, that there might be a little truth behind it. So um, I felt like, and then, you know, some of the strategies we had last year with the, our first board, my first board of trustees meeting, where we introduced the football campus, uh, that was very strategic um, as far as, um, and that was a conceptual design. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to relook at those, uh, how we're, you know, we want to stay with those designs or maybe tweak that a little bit. But President was President Cartwright was completely on board with that. And, I, and it made national news. It, it showed that we were we were we made the, we're making a commitment uh, to this space and we're making a commitment to to get to a different level of competition. And, um, uh, you know, thank God it worked. Yeah. Oh, we're going to ask you about, too about that in a second. But yeah. one of the uh, two of the big things I, I think that, you know, that Eric and I have talked about a, a number of times is once you get to the Big 12, whenever that happens, 2023, 2024, there's two big things that are going to be on the docket. Number one is going to be the TV contracts yeah. with the Big 12. And the other thing is going to be that New Year's Six Bowl tie-in because that yeah. kind of is, I think people forget that like that bowl tie-in is what really glues the, the CFP together. So um, what has been your experience in, try, in, in your dealings with some of the Big 12 uh, administrators and the other folks in that conference about where they are in terms of getting those things done? Well, when you say the Big 12 tie, when you say the New Year's Six, I mean, that, that's a qualifying, you have to be ranked in the top 12 to be in the New Year's Six. And yeah. that's the hope. So, you know, you got to, that, that's really on you. I mean, you got you to beat the teams you're playing. You got to schedule appropriately and we're a little bit behind the eight ball on that um and the whole idea is the the big 12 wants to from my understanding the big 12 wants to compete for a national championship listen the american competed for a national championship this year we were in the race and so that's the goal that doesn't change and how do you get to the how do you how do you get how do you schedule how do you prepare your teams and win uh to get you uh, if you're competing for the big 12 championship you got to most likely You'll be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Well, you will be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. So that's that's the New Year's Six Bowl question you ask. But now we got to change our mindset a little bit. We got to reprogram our brains because our school has always been about the New Year's Six Bowl. No, now we need to start talking about being in the playoffs. That's what we need to start thinking about. How do we position ourselves to be in the playoffs? How do we position ourselves from a scheduling, funding, uh, facilities-wise to compete at the highest level? And if you compete in the conference championship in the Big 12 and you win it, you got a real good shot to be in the top four. And you know what? Hopefully by 25, there'll be 12 teams. And so that's why we have to reprogram our brains a little bit. And uh, yeah, hope, reprogram our brains about and start talking about national championships. There's, I am 100% confident that we can compete in a national championship in every sport we have. We got some work to do in basketball, men's basketball. Uh, we're, we're way, we're, we're, behind a little bit in, uh, men's basketball, uh, compared to the, um, the funding models in that, that league, um, facility wise, we're in great shape. Our, our, our arena will fit in perfectly in that, in that league, but the competition is obviously the best, uh, and they've had four final four teams in the last four years. 
So it, it is second to none. It is first by a long shot on the net and all the power rankings. So we got some work to do there. And I know Coach Dawkins is working hard. And he picked up some really solid recruits uh, mm-hmm. that he feels really good about. So, uh, yeah, so I think, that I think so, Jeff, to, to your point, New Year's Six is something we should be thinking about every year. It's, it's, the, it's the playoffs that we need to be in now. No doubt. A question, of course, on-field success. I want to ask you, obviously, softball's big story right now. It's just won the American Conference regular season title uh, in the mix there, perhaps be a national seed and host. And I've been asked a bunch of questions about this, so I'll ask you, uh, what can you tell us as far as UCF and the possibilities of hosting the year they've had? Because I've seen you a lot at the softball game. So I know you've, you've, I've seen you at all the sporting events, but I see you almost every time at softball. What well, are your thoughts? Thank you. Thank you. For, I, I, you know, I try to, um, I'm kind of, I, I go over there and sit by, stand, stand by the dugouts. I, I love being around our students and our coaches. I love watching them compete. It's just, it's, that's my favorite part of what I do, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we got a bunch of outstanding young ladies, not only academically, but just just unbelievable character. And I'm uh, very excited about our program. Uh, Bear, Bear is doing an unbelievable job. Uh, she's she's doing she's a really good coach and we're excited to have her um, regionals. Well, it just all depends probably on the conference championship. Uh, we're, we're preparing to host one if we can. Uh, we'd love to host one. Um, we do. We'd, we'd have to bring in some bleachers. Um, it came up and, you know, there's a significant cost to that, but um, we'll figure out how to pay for it. Um, that's not, I'm not concerned. I told our staff, you bid on it, we'll, we'll pay for it. Uh, I, I can't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even look our athletes in the eyes and say, listen, I'm not going to bid on the regional to host just because of cost. We'll figure out that I'll, we'll raise the money if we have to. So that's no, no issues. Um it's not so hopefully we have a chance to do it and uh we'll it'll it'll be uh it'll be uh exciting if we can what uh does it has that brought up maybe some thoughts about what to do because people have asked me about the facilities does it need some renovations down the road and things like that not just in softball but some of the other sports what are some of the things you think uh, could need to be addressed down the road as far as the facilities i know you've talked about football and obviously basketball what about the other some of the other sports um yeah we know all of our sports. <laughs> so uh, one of the uh, things that we did for softball, softball was one of my first projects here when I got here. I saw that that was um, drastically needed. Uh, we redid their locker rooms. We redid their coaches' offices. We did. We redid the fence. You can see, uh, Eric, out there, the fence, the padding we put out there. We redid Absolutely. the dugouts. Uh, we're not finished with softball. We'd like to expand it. Uh, I, there is no question in my mind that we can compete for a national championship in softball. Um, Bears doing a fantastic job with uh, staff, um, brought in a bunch of new staff members um, and, you know, just recruiting. She's doing a great job. She's also great honor. She's, she's an assistant coach on the national team asked to be on the net. So she's got a lot of credibility nationally. So we're happy to have her and uh, we've still got a lot of work to do softball wise, but we have a lot of work to do every sport. Um, and, you know, everybody thinks that football gets uh, a lot, but we've got a lot of work to do with them, our facilities. Uh, we've got some back of the house stuff to work on men's and women's basketball, volleyball. Um, so every soccer's in pretty good shape. We'd like to do some stuff with the stadium. 
Uh, we'd like to one day, if all possible, move that track out there. I've talked to Dana Boone, which is another great coach that we have. Uh, she, we, we had a dinner last night for their, their team to wish them best of luck in Wichita this weekend for the conference championship. Uh, and um, like to build a whole area over there by softball that's an Olympic sport area with uh, tennis and driving range and tracks and all kinds of stuff. So we, we have a whole, I have a whole plan for that as well, vision. So it'd be cool. Ooh, any renderings in the, in the, I have, in the I have, I have, I have renderings. Yeah, I have renderings. Yeah. So excited. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see that stuff. That that actually brings me to another question. I, real I, quick. And I know- I, we had all that ready last summer, but we did the football comp- complex, but I wanted people to football focus on the football complex mm-hmm. uh, just because of where we were nationally and just the relevance of, um, you know, the, the land, the national landscape of conference realignment. Yeah. Let, uh, let me ask you too, real quick uh, about men's soccer. Cause of course, you know, the big 12 doesn't have men's soccer. I yeah. remember I asked you this before, but any update on that? What well, conference the they might be going to? I don't know if we've announced that yet. Probably they're going to get mad at me. You're probably going to go to the Sun Belt and soccer. So really? No, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. announcement. So, wow. We've broken some news here Yeah. So. on the pot. Wow. The sun. That's huge, man. Yeah. Yeah, we have that yeah. league is no well, we, joke. Well, it's not, it's not a done. I mean, it's not, we, we haven't been, but yeah, we're going to be going with some other really good teams and in that, in that league. And there's, it's going to be, I mean, as you know, Marshall's in that league, they won the national championship. So, yep. Yeah. So, and all the P5 schools that don't have a men's soccer home, yeah. Kentucky, South Carolina, yeah. there's one yeah. other, I'm forgetting, West Virginia, they're in there too. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Be Congratulations great. on that. It's going to yeah. be fun. Uh, real quick, I want to, uh, let me drop out some other uh, rapid fire things here, real quick. Uh, uh, any that's not that's not rights? for that's not until we all uh, we're still going to be in the American until yeah. you know to, until we're out of the conference. Um, but we'll definitely once we get in, uh, once we're once we exit, we'll they'll be joining the Sun Belt and we'll be joining the Big Twelve. So, gotcha. Okay. All right. So, I so think our coach like is a, really excited about that too. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I know, I mean, I know got, Scott's going to be excited. James, about that. James Madison. I mean, you got really Coastal Carolina, those other teams that you mentioned, really, really good soccer. Yeah. Real and quick, Americans, some, and Americans really good soccer, men's soccer too. So that's not, yeah, they added some really good programs too. So yeah, it's going to be absolutely. a busy year in the American this year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, real quick, a uh, little rapid fire because I know you got a, I know you got yeah. a meeting coming up. Any update on naming rights for the bounce house? Uh, yeah, we're getting close. Okay, working on it. Yeah. So All right. can't, can't, uh, get, can't get more updates. Just we don't have anything signed, but we're getting close. So, so. last bit from me. Um, any possibility of any? Are you looking at the possibility of adding some sports when UCF gets to the Big Twelve? Not at this time. Um, if you know, just for, we got to look at our particip- participation numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get a lot of people. Uh, I get a lot of advice on Twitter. Um, from yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, sports, uh, so yeah, I, um, I hear you. On the that the one sport that I would love to add, if it, but it, it does kind of we have to look at our participation. It would be men's track, just because the Big Twelve is really good men's t- track, and you know you got Houston over there, obviously with their their powerhouse, their really good program with men's on the men's side, and Kansas historic program, and just a lot of good Texas Tech won the national championship. I mean, yeah. you know, so it, it would be something, but it, you know, it, you know, just be down the road a little bit. Um, and that would, that would be, you know, also to have to, um, you know, Dano's comfort level with that would also, which she would be great. She'd be great head coach. Right. 
uh, for the men's side as well. There's no question. We'd have to add staff and some facilities and locker rooms and all that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's not something, you know, adding sports is just not, you know, giving someone a uniform in a, in a facility. It's recurring dollars, scholarships, you know, fee, you know, nutrition, strength coaches, trainers. I mean, it, it brings a lot of expenses to it. And right now we're just trying to properly fund our current sports. That is our, our goal it to, yeah. to be in the top of the top half of the big 12 and, or hopefully in five years, you know, uh, being a top third of the big 12, but you know, those goalposts are always moving because they're also increasing their revenues as well. So very established. I mean, we're going, we're going to be in a league with schools that have been playing football since the 1800s. <laughs> it's pretty, it's wild when you think about it, right? I know. You know, we've only been doing yeah. this since 1979 and here we are. So Terry Mahaj, your athletic director for UCF, uh man we did we just did not have enough time I well, feel like so we'll like, do it again we got to do this again well we got the uh charge on tour coming up i just wanted to get that out there too because you're you got a couple more dates a little closer to home in the next couple weeks you're going to be in port canaveral on tuesday may 24th it. We do it before one of those if you wanted to Let's right yeah well like a I, I live in oviedo and you're going to be there on thursday may 26th what do you say we hook up there yeah yeah Sounds uh good. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That sounds great. Sorry. I just got a text. I was like, what was that? Uh, yeah, I know. Um, yes. Uh, that'd be great. We could do All that right. for sure. I'd love to do that. Terry, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on everything you've been doing. I know you've been so busy, but you know, it's just been, uh, it, it's, it's been a blast since you, since you've gotten here and you know, we, well, Eric and I are you do for us. And we appreciate that. Thank you for doing oh, yeah. that. And Eric and I are always kind of like, we always understood the, the sort of chip on the shoulder institutionally that UCF is kind of always having. I feel like, and, and I feel like you get that. And so we're thankful. Well, I get for it. Not only do that, I get it, yeah. I have it. And, you know, uh, you know, you go to these meetings, these national meetings and, and uh, uh, you've got, you know, some these schools that look at you and, you know, because they're 18 to 22 year olds are better. They're like, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a little bit of an arrogance type thing. Some, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and I love that. It just motivates me. And, uh, um, you know, there, we got a lot of wonderful people in this business, uh, you know, that are fantastic. You know, one of my friends that I've got to know, uh, Joe Castiglione, Oklahoma, one of the best guys in this business. And there's a lot of really, really good folks, but then you have people and he came up the, he was a former student athlete, you know, came, came up the way that, a little closer to what I did, but some of these folks that have come up through the sports management, NBA programs, law that, you know, that basically just the, uh, how do I say this? Uh, the brand identification is just not there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, which is something that we want to prove to the world that we belong and that we can compete at the highest level. And uh, that we're going to be a force to be reckoned with in, in, in the near future. And uh, but we have a lot to do. and We can't do it by ourselves. We got to have our fans and our and our key our key stakeholders, our community to be involved, or the enterprise is not going to flourish the way that I believe it can. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's I, I maybe shouldn't have a chip on my shoulder, but maybe I've always taken the road less traveled. Maybe you know, even as a as a student athlete, how I got recruited as a coach, whatever. And so it kind of, that's why when this position opened up, I, I very candidly was not really interested in leaving. But then when this one, I was like, 
this this fits my personality. I think I said that. And yeah, yeah. I've been watching for a long time. And I was in I was in the state, I was in the state before and and uh, I saw how students gravitated to this campus and how the passion it just became to just came to bubble up and 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 I still think we have a lot of room to grow. A lot of room to grow. I think so, you're right. I think Eric and I exciting. both agree with you that's on exciting. that. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you, Terry. Have a good one. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Wow. Thank you to Terry. Uh, thank you to uh, John Heisler also for uh, for setting this up for us um, and uh, and getting us some time with Terry, who's, uh, as you guys, as we talked about, super busy because, you know, he's handling business. I think people forget about this. Like, he and his staff are handling business for, you know, as we found out, really, actually three conferences right now. Um, not to mention everything that they're doing um, in terms of the fundraising and, and the sports administration, just the, the more I learn about it, Eric, the more, I don't know how these people do it, but wow, we had three huge bits of news coming from that. The first one I want to talk about, um, man, conference realignment news breaking on black and gold banner podcast, huh? Uh, UCF men's soccer going to the Sun Belt, which uh, is, uh, you know, Bryson, you and I, you know, engaged in some reckless speculation several months ago about what would happen because the Big 12 doesn't sponsor men's soccer, what might happen. This was one of the options. And lo and behold, um, here it is. And looking at the at what would be the new Sun Belt, guys, um, it would be including UCF, an 11 team league. And this past season, the 2021 fall season, five teams made the NCAA tournament. Seven of them were in the top 70 of the RPI this past year. So I think it's fair to say, and obviously Terry mentioned Marshall winning the college cup in 2020. Um, this is Eric Lopez. The, uh, the, the, this is looking like the sec of men's soccer now that UCF's heading into. Well, they're setting that up that way. I mean, there's been a big landscape uh, shift in men's soccer that we, well, it's just, we don't have enough time to get into that, but you know, that some belt's been a big player in this. Uh, they're trying to make a power conference out of this and you have, a lot of the major programs like a Kentucky, South Carolina, West Virginia are in the league. So it makes sense. UCF now that's going to the Big 12, you know, you, you kind of want to be with those buddies. And uh, to strong league. Not the first time, though, that UCF Athletics has been part in relations with the Sun Belt. Way, You're right. Way back in the days, folks. Way back. Kyle and I were not, we were just a rumor at that point. Well, actually, more, yeah. We were, I think no. I was, oh, Kyle was a rumor. Uh, Prior to the A-Sun, UCF spent a, a cup of coffee on the Sun Belt Conference. 1991-92 was the year that UCF was in the Sun Belt. They, they were there for one year before they joined the what was then the TAC, which yeah. became the Atlantic Sun in all sports. At that time, the Sun Belt did not sponsor football, American football. They, they wouldn't do so until 2021. Um, but yes, you're right. UCF was in the Sun Belt for one year. So it's kind of unique uh, in that regard. So big, big for men's soccer. Obviously, that was a big question with all this movement. What would happen? Looks like we now know. Obviously, it's a point to emphasize this will not take place until UCF makes the move to the Big 12 whenever that happens. We do not right. know 
uh, as of this time when that will right. take place. A lot of, re- lot of reporting out there about when it's going to take place, obviously. And, you know, like Terry talked to us, you know, no, no real news on that front. But, you know, if Brett McMurphy and others reporting is to yeah, be we'll believed, we'll they're trying to get, they're trying, UCF is trying to get, along with Houston and Cincinnati, into the Big 12 as soon as possible. We're just waiting. So. We're just waiting for Kyle to just put the check. Just write the check, Kyle, and let's move yes. on, man. Come on, right? Kyle. Come on, Kyle. I'm, Come on. I'm, let's 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 empty the four hundred one k, babe. Come on. Listen, I've I've been on a shopping spree, getting over my depression of all the departure that had happened in women's basketball. <laughs> and talking to Tia Messer today was very helpful. So maybe I'll be able to find my ink pen. I could tell you've got a haircut too. So clearly, uh, you're back on your game here with that That's haircut. Right. But yeah, no, look, the move in the Sun Belt is big. But look, other news that came from the interview, though, uh, I thought was fascinating. It looks like there sounds like they're close to a deal to have a naming rights for the football stadium. I think that's big. Yep. And then the renderings for the other stadium. Obviously, I asked about softball in the hosting pot situation. He broke that down. So everybody that was asking me about what about the facilities and all that, you got your answer. And uh, that was pretty cool to find out that uh, there's some renderings in the, in the works for the other sports and why he didn't announce it because he was focused on they wanted to focus on the football side when they announced right. th- th- those renderings. As we that have speculated good- on this podcast, by the way, gentlemen, that he was leading with the football hand to get the most public involvement. Right. Uh, which, you know, is as we all have talked about at length, right? Like football is the crown jewel at UCF, but Bryson, you had talked about it before. Like, you know, you'd, you'd looked at some of those renderings that he, that, that were in the board of trustees presentation last year, and you could glean some hints, right? Oh yes. Back when the, Ben, when Terry first revealed, I still remember this. This is actually a social media wise. It was a very fun day. I realized that the soccer stadium did not have the track around it anymore. So it's like, hmm, that's interesting. So (laughs) I ended up asking about it and lo and behold, we got some responses on that and the, and the track was supposed to be moved somewhere. The, uh, the idea of that, I like the idea of a soccer only facility. It's nice for a sport to have its own space and considering the, what, what we saw in the background, because obviously they weren't really focusing on it that much, but it looked like a really a really interesting and very nice facility there. The only real question was where was track going to go? And so from what Terry said, it looks like there's an option for it to go right near, right by softball where the Arboretum is, which is very, which is very interesting. And I'm wondering how they're going to incorporate that to make sure they don't take too much of a slice out of the Arboretum, but I'm very excited to see some updates on on that front. Yeah, it's, we're seeing, the uh, a lot of visions kind of come to fruition here, I think, which is exciting. I mean, I mean, for us old hats, right? You know, I graduated in 05. You know, this is an exciting time. You know, oh. it's like with the Big 12, it's like it's like Christmas for for UCF athletics fans, you know, especially for those of us who, you know, can recall, you know, going through the woods in order to get to the soccer stadium, which was not really a stadium. It was, you know, it, I mean, there was, there was some bleachers around the track and then the soccer field. And then like the, the scores area was, they would put up a temporary tent next to the field. And then we would have like temporary PA speakers put up there. I, and, you know, and to now see this, you know, you know, really develop and come to fruition, I think is really, it's man, it's, it's so exciting. And, and to have a guy, I gotta say, you know, to have a guy like Terry, 
I mean, you know, leading the way, how lucky have we been since that, you know, with our last two athletic directors, Danny White and Terry Mahajner, and especially Terry with the experience that he has, you know, like, like we talked about early in the interview, right, Eric, that, you know, that mentality, like he just gets UCF. He gets the, the zeitgeist at this, at this university. Um, and to have a guy who's experienced not just as a student athlete, but who is also a coach is, I, I you know, it, right. it, it's, it's like I was telling him, you know, that's rare. It's becoming more rare these days. It used to be that the athletic director, like way back in the day was also a head coach of one of the sports, hmm. but um, you know, kind of like in high school. Right. But now, you know, a lot of people go through the administrative channel and that's, and that's not a knock on anybody, but that, it's, I think it's, it's really advantageous for Terry to have that institutional knowledge of having been a coach in addition to a student athlete himself to, to, you know, empathize with the things that his fellow coaches are going through. No doubt. No doubt. I would, no doubt I would also point out that they, he also has the same sympathy for the student athletes as well. I was in one of my classes this semester, actually, I was in class with a student athlete that I won't name, but uh, they, I was talking to, to them after class or during a break in class once. And he also sang Terry's praises where like, and he talked about how like everybody loves him. I mean, yeah. Right. That's yeah. That's Kyle. You, 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 you look like you were going to say, Oh yeah, no. I mean, all I would add to that too is even even as as the uh, the the media schmo whatever decked out his tie and shirt, he's always been super friendly to me personally too. I'm not even technically in the program, right? Uh, well, he's been busy. It, it, you're right. He's 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 a busy guy. He's a he's a, yeah. he's doing good, but I think he gets everything that's going on. And mm-hmm. you, Kyle and Jeff, you got to talk to uh, Terry's first hire, second hire. How quickly we forget. <laughs> Gus was number one. As Gus was number first, one, but yeah, and we're gonna get to that next. Yeah, his first post Gus Malzahn hire, and a big hire it was, and that's Tia Messer coming over from LSU, uh, previously from Baylor, head new head uh, basketball coach at UCF. She's assembling her roster and her assistant coaches, her coaching staff right now. As we speak, she gives us some insight onto that and insight into her background as a coach and uh, her journey to UCF as well. When we return, stick around. This is the black and gold banner podcast. And we're back after this. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Busy, busy show for us today. Joining us now, the new head women's basketball coach at UCF. Finally, we finally managed to catch up with her after she's been jetting all over the place, trying to fill out not just her roster, but her assistant coach uh, stable as well. Satya Messer joining us for the very first time on the show. Coach, welcome to UCF. How are you? Hey, I am doing well. And thank you guys for having me. I am super excited to be here at UCF. 
What a great opportunity. So thank you. Well, we're so thankful to have you here. We saw you at the, I saw you at the press conference and, um, and, and, you know, I, it's, I, I, I'm a student of the history of the game. And so I know the place that you have in, in Arkansas history and SEC basketball history. And I remember watching you during that, during that final four and, and to see you come here as a familiar name from some of the players that I've watched in the past, it's just really exciting to have you here. So let me ask you what, Prior to coming to UCF, and you've had an illustrious career in coaching in, in addition after playing, what was your evaluation of UCF as a basketball program prior to coming here? When you heard UCF, when you were, you know, when you were at Georgia Tech and Baylor, and then when you were at Tennessee Tech before that as a head coach, when you heard UCF, what did you think? I thought, great, good program. I really did. I thought a good program. I was familiar with us being in Conference USA in the past and being competitive when and in Conference USA uh, regular season and, ch- and tournament championships and, and then going on to American and um, winning. So I thought really good basketball, very competitive conferences and uh, amazing place to live, Orlando. So you couldn't beat that. So uh, I thought very highly always of UCF. Yeah, we heard a lot about the closing, the closing of the deal involving uh, the Mouse and Company over at Disney. <laughs> um, the one thing I will issue, though, if you do play anybody in the south of the state, the traffic gets a little rough going through there. So that might be some of the downside. But <laughs> um, sticking with Florida as a concept, you know, something we had talked about a lot with Coach Abe was um, Florida is kind of a hotbed for uh, uh, women's basketball. Um, you know, looking at it last year, I believe there were six participants, right? Gulf Coast, Miami, U, uh, UCF, USF, uh, Florida. Were you aware of Florida's presence on the map, having to, I guess, recruit against those institutions to some extent? And if you were, uh, what was your impression then at that point? Well, I definitely know that uh, it was a hotbed. I actually spent a lot of time in Florida recruiting at other places. Um, signed a young lady named Beatrice Montpamere when I was at Baylor, who was an elite athlete. Um, and so uh, have a great relationships with different high school coaches in the state. So I agree, it's definitely a hotbed. I think the thing that we're so proud of, and I'm so proud to be part of UCF when you think about last year, us beating Florida. I mean, we're the, we're the school in the state to beat right now. You know, um, in my opinion, um, you know, uh, Florida State has been not as consistent as it has in the past. We beat Florida. Um, you know, I, I really think that and what we've done with UCF. And I just think that we we're we're the school. We're the school. And that's that's something I don't take lightly. And I know that there is um, there's some work uh, to continue that standard. And that's part of the reason I chose uh, UCF is I love competition. Let me get this one quick real too, um, because you have that impression of Florida going in. And now we, as people who follow UCF, have Mm -hmm. a certain impression of the Big 12. But you've resided there for some time of late. Um, In your mind, kind of tell us, like, if you can give us a a bit of an identity of what big 12 basketball looks like uh, in the women's space, especially what, what is, what is the way you would describe that and what uh, UCF is going into as a program entering that conference very soon? Well, I think uh, big 12 basketball is one of the best conferences in the nation. 
Um, I think in describing it, you you think about this. You have Bill Finley, who's been at Iowa State forever, who's going to play everything from matchup zone to um, triangle, boxing one. He's going to throw everything at you. The different styles of coaching is tremendous. To me, it's the best I've been around because you have vets that are there. And um, you have um, Vic Schaefer at Texas, who's going to play man-to-man full court and get up in you. You know, you got Raven, who's going to throw some man and zone at TCU. So I think uh, there's no – you have to prepare your players for different styles every night. Um, The travel, too. You're going from Orlando to Ains, Iowa. The different temperatures, just a little bit different, you know. <laughs> and so just being prepared for that, that's all mental. And I think having been in those environments, it helps me prepare our, our team better uh, just from the mental standpoint. Ames, Iowa is one of the most hostile places you can play. Uh, I mean, they go at you. And that's okay. That's, that, that's what it is. Um, you want to be in an environment where women's basketball is taken serious. And I feel like it is. Um, in the Big 12. So those are the things we have to look forward to. Different styles of play, different styles of, I mean, location, the travel. And and we we just have to, to me, it's an advantage as far as recruiting, because you can hit the Texas, you can hit Iowa, you can hit Kansas, those kind of places. You can walk into a recruit home and say, hey, we'll bring you back home. And meanwhile, you can play with Mickey during the week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know hear, hearing you talk about the, your your potential future conference mates right um you, you mentioned all, all you mentioned was defense and your predecessor was not shy about def, about this program having a defense first identity but what is going to be the identity of UCF basketball under you um great question um, from a defensive standpoint, man-to-man defense, um, and we're going to be we're going to pressure the ball. We're going to generate uh, offense from our defense because uh, we're going to play man-to-man and and get easy baskets that way and turnovers. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, we really want to go to positionless basketball. I want to recruit players that are not your typical five and just going to post up with her back to the basket. I want her to be able to face up, shoot the three, hit transition baskets, those kind of things. So offensively, defense. Um, I mean, defensively, it's going to be man-to-man. Offensively, we're going to go positionless basketball. Hmm. That's like a fun. lot of similarities. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, for, for Coach Abe, it was 96 feet. For you, I've heard you use the phrase 40 minutes of hell. I, I, I don't think we're losing. A whole lot of aggressiveness with this identity. I mean, that's where I'm going to go, man. Um, so uh, in my mind, you know, we, we, we talked about a lot of the identity and, and, and um, kind of the winning expectation that's come. You know, you're used to winning. I'm used to winning. Let's get it, I think was what you said at your yeah. initial press conference. Um, that So with that, I mean, these expectations are something you're expecting. Is there anything special with how you deal with that while also having to fill the stable of coaches, having to get new recruits. And Oh, by the way, scheduling still a thing that has to be dealt with is, I mean, is that something that's, that is helped to push you or where does that come into play in your mind? Well, I'm a competitive person. 
So I think I told you guys this being the youngest of eight, you have to figure out how you're going to get a plate at the table. So <laughs> competing has never been, I've never been shy of that. Um, but listen, um, we have to take it one step at a time. The most important thing for me is the players that have chose to stay, uh, me being able to establish the relationship with them and, and, and getting their confidence and knowing who I am going out secondly and, and, and recruiting. And because as well as we did last year, um, we had a lot of those people leave. And um, so it's, it's like a new team. Um, and so that's the thing I've had to go out in the recruiting and, and uh, we were fortunate to sign four young ladies actually have uh, four coming in this weekend as well. And so um, we're going to do that. And then I hired two assistants and I'm in the process of hiring a third one. And, you know, then we're going to finish up the scheduling. It's just one step at a time. It can be overwhelming when you look at it, what, you know, with everything that was left, not quite complete, finished and on top of some, some players um, transferring. But that's part of this game. You know, I'm, I'm, I, we roll up our sleeves, we don't make excuses, and we get it done. Yeah, it's a lot different now with how the without the portal is too. I mean, when we were talking about it, you know, like the portal giveth and the portal taketh away, right? So, do you see it as like, do you see it as an advantage? Like, hey, I can fill out this roster real quick. I don't have anybody who's kind of playing out the string for me here. You know what I mean? Is it is it, it, it? Do you find it to be a little bit more? Is having a blank slate like that a little bit of an advantage? Maybe. Yeah, I think there's some positive to it. Uh, there's a positive to it because. The kids that we are bringing in kind of know me um, versus me trying to um, convince players to get to know our staff and us. So that part is positive. And two, you know, there's no setting out. I mean, you can get them immediately. I mean, we plan on working our kids out, having everybody in settled uh, first of June and uh, working them out and, you know, starting our all season. And so that that's definitely some positive. It really is. And being able to go in and, and kind of pick and choose, uh, you know, who who you like and and those kind of things. So it's it's been some positive. You said some ahead, stuff there. Yeah, you said some stuff there, uh, uh, Coach, that that kind of reminded me of a quote, which, by the way, thank you for this, because when my kids are a little older, I am going to use this quote with them. But um, you had mentioned at your initial press conference, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. How much of that is enveloped? First of all, if you could tell us from where you got that, awesome. And how much of that is part of your recruiting identity? Oh, so I got that from a high school coach who, as a matter of fact, was a legendary high school coach in the state of Florida. Um, her name was um, Coach Penders. She was... Um, just passed away last year, but the winning is coach in the state of Florida, women's basketball, Dillard High School. She was a great, great friend of mine. Broward County. Yes, yes. Yep. yep. I spent a lot of time with Coach Pender. And uh, so um, she's the one that taught me that. She won eight state titles. And um, I went back and I recruited a player of hers. Now, she coached this player's mom. And then uh, now she's coaching the player. So this is generational and she's at the same place. And I talked to her about how do you get these people to buy into you constantly? And she, she said that quote to me. And so I really have taken that to heart 
Um, and it's true, you know, even with me in my life, um, you know, I want people to treat me the way I want to be treated, number one. But I think you you gain trust by uh, showing people you care. And that's why it was so important to me with the players who decided to stay to spend my first couple of weeks, you know, focusing on them and letting them know I'm here and, and, and trusting me as a person. And then, you know, kind of transitioning and, and bringing people on after that. By the way, it's Marsha Pinder at Dillard High School. And I, and I can recall her because I grew up outside of Fort Lauderdale and, you know, and she is, you know, 996 wins in 44 years wow. at Dillard, 10, 10 state titles. Uh, wow. God rest her. She just passed away um, in uh, a, 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 about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's a, she's a real legend. Let me ask you, you've had, you've had in your career, um, you've been successful as a head coach prior to coming here at UCF. This is not your first go around. You were a successful assistant, of course, at, G- at Georgia Tech and Baylor. Um, but, you know, you had that long span of time under head coach Kim Mulkey, whose resume also speaks for herself, another legend in her own right. Um, in between this go around at UCF and your previous head coaching uh, job at Texas Tech or Tennessee Tech, excuse me. What did you learn from your time with Coach Mulkey that you didn't know at Tennessee Tech that now you're taking yourself for like, okay, now this second time around, I know this now and I'm going to be a better head coach for it? Um, it's a lot, but I'll try to summarize it in, in, in three things. We, we got time. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> One thing is, is your staff, like the people you surround yourself with is important because you're going to be spending most of your time with, with those people and and try to, you know, surround yourself with people that you, you trust. When I first took the job at Tennessee tech, I took it in August, a couple weeks later, school was starting. So I was hiring really quickly and not necessary people. I, I knew or could afford to hire on that budget. You know, I'm being completely transparent with you guys. And so it's a factor. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I knew then, okay, second time around, you you need to be able to your resources to 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 be able to get what you vision your program to be. So the resources is very important. Um, and with the people you surround yourself with basketball, prepare for every game, no matter if we're playing Grambling State or if we're playing UConn. Your preparation need to be the same. And uh, the consistency of that with players, there's no days off. There's no days off. All practices were twice as hard as the game at Baylor because game, that was the fun time. All practices, we were getting at it. And so, um, you know, having learned that, your staff and your preparation – and, and I will say one of the last thing is whatever you say, you do, you follow up on it. So no matter if you're going to, whatever you tell a player or your staff member or anybody else, if it's big or, sm- or small, you follow up on it. If you tell them you're going to call them at 6 p.m. that night, 6 p.m., your, your, their phone should be ringing. So I would say it's little things like that that are, are, are big things that in the end and in the big picture. Uh, or things that I learned from Coach Mulkey. 
the hardest thing here and looking at it from the outside is, you know, you kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier is just straight up numbers, right? Filling out this roster. Cause I think you have what four players returning from last year's roster. You just added four in the portal, Taylor Gibson, Rachel Ranke, Morgan Robinson, Nuagu, and, uh, and Maya Burns. And you said you got, uh, you said you have four more that you're planning to bring in. And then I think that I was checking uh, on social. I see that I, I believe that there are still two recruits from last year. One was obviously went to Georgia. Another was released from her letter. So how many more spots do you have to fill? I know you said you want to get them in by June 1st. So how, how many more, how many, how many more do you have left to fill? I'm going to try to sign at least four more. Um, And so I want to be able to go um, five on five, of course, in practice, and then have two extra ones for injuries if anything happens. So I want to have at least 12 on the roster Uh, and then leave three open for transfers. You know, you have midseason and I mean, those kind of transfers and things like that. So that's what I plan on doing. Um, And we're, we're getting after it. Um, as I say, I have two staff members here and, um, we're, we're, we're doing it. So those are going to be announced pretty soon. I'm guessing too, right? Yeah, I can, I'll be more than happy to tell you guys who they are. You, you get exclusive. Come on. All right. Yeah. All right. What do you got? <laughs> so, uh, Greg Brown, I hired. He, oh, okay. You Greg used to be He's, here. Right. He was here under coach Williams. That's right. That's exactly right. So Greg is someone I've had my eyes on for a while. Again, going back to the things you learn. So like I told you, staff is very important. And I always watched and how he carried himself and and those things. And so he was one of the first calls I made once I um, was blessed with this job. And then secondly, Tania Adams, she's the associate head coach at the University of Memphis. And um, so Tania, um, great basketball mind. Um, Memphis had a great year. I mean, it, for them to turn that around as quickly as they did the year before that, she was at Wright State with the same staff. Um, and they actually beat Arkansas in the NCAA tournament in the first round. And so her ability to coach and she actually played with me at Arkansas, too. So okay. small world. But our yeah. basketball um, circle never we, we were never in the same basketball circle. We had different places. And those kind of things. So we kind of went in our separate directions with our careers and then, you know, ended back up. Now she's working with me. So she will be an associate head coach and Greg will be his too. So I have two uh, associate head coaches because I feel like those two have uh, paid their dues. I'm excited about what they can bring to us in this program, their experience, their player development, their communication. Um, their network, the people they have that they can pick up the phone and call. And so super excited about that. And, and then I am working to fill the last position. So that's, that's where we are. All right. Well, congrats to you on, uh, on all the additions and, uh, and especially with Tanil. I mean, we saw I, just observing from the sidelines, you know, Tanil um, really was like a second head coach for Memphis. And of course, and we were familiar with Greg from his time here with, Coach uh, Joy Williams, who I know that you know, yeah, right. And, yes. uh, and did you talk with Joy when you when you were about to, when you were in the mix for the job? Did she and did she give you you know some some of the background of UCF and everything? Yeah, so I talked to Joy um, years ago 
about UCL. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, we talked about how she loved the job and just the potential. And so I've always kind of talked to her about that. Um, as far as I talked to her after I took the job, yeah. uh, because I really believed in Terry. I believed in what I had seen. And so afterwards, I called her and talked to her about UCF and also about Greg. And so uh, but she knew, you know, we've been she, she and I've talked throughout the years since she's been gone. And so she knew that Greg was always someone on my list. And we've talked about UCF since she talked about her her experience here, which I respect a lot of things that she, she spoke of yeah. two conference titles here. Yeah. You know, those two banners up there in that roof that, that she, that she's at least partially responsible for, you know, along with her players. And, and she, I remember when she came in, she brought in, you know, had to bring in, I think it was like eight or nine freshmen. Yeah. And she, for, and, and brought that team to two conference championships. So let me ask you this too. Um, you, there were reports that you were in the mix for the Baylor job when coach Mulkey left. Yes. Uh, I did see an interview when you came to Louisiana, when you were underneath that smile of yours, I could tell that you were like, I want to get those guys. <laughs> and, and so the big 12 factor, I think had to have, you know, was how big of a factor was that in coming to UCF where, you know, obviously you talked about how familiar we are with the, with, with the, with the, um, you know, with the conference itself, but like, there's, listen, underneath that smile of yours, you're a competitor. I know you're oh a competitor. Uh, yeah. You, you can't wait to get after them. Absolutely. It's, it's <laughs> funny. As I mentioned to you guys, it started at birth. I'm the youngest of eight. So competing. Yeah. and, and then too, you look at my resume as a uh, player, final four national championship, and then even as a head coach, coach of the year in the OVC. So, yes, competitiveness is, is definitely in my blood. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. So part of uh, the excitement of taking this job was going to the Big 12. Hmm. A lot of familiar faces. And so, uh, you know, we, we just have to figure that out. And uh, I'm excited to be able to go back and, and play against a lot of people that, you know, I've known in the past and see what we can do to uh, – to 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 represent UCF. What kind of investments would you like to see in your program now as we head toward that level? Because as good as the American is, like you said, Big 12 is a whole different animal. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, you know, as far as when you think about like my staff, the people I'm hiring, I'm hiring Big 12 coaches, um, players that I'm recruiting. I, I know we're behind the eight ball a little bit because of, you know, just – the timing of taking a job. However, my goal is to hire, to recruit Big 12 players uh, that compete compete for championships. So that's what we are. That's what we're doing. And uh, we know that it's going to be a quick turnaround. But, um, you know, every, every decision we're making, we're thinking Big 12. Kyle, last word to you, man. Sure. Uh, Coach, yeah, you mentioned being behind the eight ball and all the stuff you've had to do, uh, come in, hair on your fire, make happen and, and, and kind of fix, for lacking a better word. Um, what's something that was already present on campus? You were like, wow, thank goodness UCF's doing that. Um, what's something when you got here that you were glad to see already happening? Um, that's a great question. It's a lot. Number one, I think just a UCF family and how welcome everybody made me feel. 
uh, all the, the players, the coaching, the head coaches here, Gus stopped by my office, you know, just, you know, little things like that, that I, I really was like, thank God for this family environment. Um, and just UCF itself was, was, was enough for me. Um, I do like how everything to me is first class. You look at our campus is second to none. And, and, and so just UCF, I would say completely itself is one of the things I went, wow, thank God I'm going to be part of this. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that because like Kyle and I are both alumni and, you know, we graduated in the mid two thousands. And one of the things I always loved about the school and why, you know, I've in some strange way never really left is <laughs> uh, it is like it for a big campus. It's one of the biggest campuses in terms of enrollment in the country. It never felt that big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it always felt like, it, it, it always felt tight knit to me. And I think that, that you appreciate that, especially because, you know, it's, it, it, it brings that sense of community together, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. It, I feel that, that closeness, that, um, that family environment. And as you say, you know, um, people on the outside think, Oh, it's huge. You don't get that feeling when you get here, you, you mm -hmm. get that feeling of, um, you know, a family environment that's competing for championships that knows how to treat their student athletes like first class student athletes. I mean, that's been my experience so far. And I'm super excited to be a part of uh, all of this. Well, we're excited that you're a part of it, too. And we're really thankful that that you decided to come here and, and are bringing your experience, not just as a coach, but as a player, too. And it's been uh uh, it, it's been uh, a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how, you know, you, everything kind of fills out and we're looking forward to seeing, you know, more news. Thanks for breaking the news too, about your assistant coaches. That was huge. We appreciate that. And uh, hey, anytime our, first, for you guys can get, <laughs> get it here first. <laughs> All right, we, are we going to see you at the uh, charge on tour in a couple of weeks? Yes, I will be there. I, I think we have one on the 24th and 26th or. Yep. 24th like in uh, Port Canaveral and the 26th in Oviedo, which is right up here. I actually live in Oviedo. So I'll be okay. Stopping. Yeah. I'm looking forward to coming. Yeah. I will be, be there. All right. Looking forward to seeing you. Let, let's a hey, uh, careful travel. And I know you're going to be chalking up a lot, still chalking up a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles getting out there, but <laughs> thank hey, you. Head coach to you. The family oh, members are going to take that, you know. The, 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 oh, they are? Okay. The nephews, I mean, they're already Disney World, and I'll just fly them down. down. <laughs> I know. Hey, you know what else? We got to get you We got to get you some stuff for your office here because the shelves are looking a little empty. <laughs> hey, you know. it's, it's so funny. So uh, Memorial Day weekend, I am going to Baton Rouge to pack up. Okay. So I, I got my, my stuff. I just... I'm still living in two places, but uh, we'll get that. We'll get it rolling. Thank God you right. didn't see me. It's just auto. So, all right. Well, listen. You need anything? If you need anything to fill it out for future Zoom backgrounds, just let me know. We'll send I got you, some you. Stuff, Okay, I got you. All right, <laughs> Head Coach Satya Master. Thank you so much once again. Welcome to UCF. Safe travels out there on the recruiting trail. And uh, hey, we're looking forward to seeing to seeing the 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 new era here in this program. Uh, as we head not just towards uh, our last couple seasons in the American, but into the Big 12, which, of course, as you said many times, you are 
you are even more excited about than than we are. And of course, we're really excited about that. Coach, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Look forward to doing this again soon. All right. Thanks to Coach Messer. Thanks to Megan Herboth for uh, helping uh, helping us uh, set this thing up. Um, Kyle, my favorite part of listening to Coach Messer was when she talked about the identity of this team. She said that it would be it would be it would emphasize defense, obviously, which is something that we're used to, and and I'm ex- and, and that makes it, that excites me because you know we've seen what good defense looks like uh, here at UCF. But what I thought was interesting and different from her predecessor, and I think a lot of fans want to know about this, she talked about positionless basketball on offense. Now, coach under Coach Abe, I felt like it was a little bit more structured offensively, like the bigs were in the post. She had the, she had people on the outside, but it was, it was the the game was centered offensively from the inside out coach Messer. If it feels to me like this is going to be a little bit more freewheeling, maybe we'll get out on the break a little bit more often, those kinds of things. And that's, that's, that excites me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and let's be clear. Like this isn't to say that coach Abe and company, you know, with their 96, uh, their 96 feet, you know, playing 96 feet concept didn't take care of the break. It was defense setting up points, which is exactly yeah. what Spencer even cited, but her approach calling it 40 minutes of hell and set is the only thing that's different defensively. I think what you're, I think that, I think that's, that's doctrine in the state of Arkansas. Is it not 40 minutes of hell? That's, that's, that's the way she described it when she was talking <laughs> to Daniels. I'll put it that way, but here's, here's what it is the, for me. What I more kind of hear is it's not so much, uh, it's not so much, I mean, listen, finding somebody the appropriate size that can hit on the outside is great if you can find them at any level, in any in any uh, aspect of basketball, men's, women's, high school, college, NBA, WNBA, whatever. Um, and I, I think, like, it, it, listen, if you find a, uh, uh, for, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better, uh, uh, description like you know you find a uh, a dirk that can do it like that and be super tall and then chuck it from the cheap seeks but actually be physical more than davitsky was in his day that's awesome um but she did mention an emphasis on versatility which i think takes the one weak point i think you could uh get from last year's team that tentativeness to shoot at times and if they're if you're bringing in players with that versatility in mind, as Coach Messer's talking about it, that's what I think you're going to get. Some uh, uh, definitely a lot more offense. I like you talking about uh, pushing the tempo. Um, and, and listen, expect to expect them to chuck ten threes or more, rather than you know not being surprised that they're going ten or lower because you know the post is working and they're pounding it right. Yeah. So she's got four more roster spots yet to fill. Uh, and she filled out her uh, assistant coaching staff as well as she talked to us. And actually there was uh, a little bit more news that we wanted to, that uh, dropped on Wednesday uh, about this uh, and that she filled out. And Bryson, you can check me on this. She filled out her uh, third assistant coach spot. Is that right? Uh, you know, obviously we talked about Greg Brown, to Neil Adams, uh, but also Ashley Dubow is also uh, joining the staff. Yes, she um, she says that I um, 
that it's when I read the press release, it said that she was going to be an executive member of the staff. Um, she's just just coming off of being the director of basketball operations at Syracuse. So I would imagine ah, it's okay. that it's that sort of role perhaps that she's going to fill that, that she's going to fill there. But, you know, she's worked with uh, she's worked with Messer for four years at Baylor. So it's not like they're strangers to each other. So they really Syracuse. Get, all right. Here we they, go. It is they get what each other was going for, but yes, she was at Syracuse last season. So yeah, I think it's that these first three hires though are very good from a general perspective. I mean, Tennille Adams, uh, they are reunited with each other back from their playing days at Arkansas, which is mm -hmm. awesome. I think that honestly, I think that's really cool that Messer now as a head coach, he's able to bring one of her former teammates with her. That's great for chemistry purposes. You have Greg Brown, who is already, who already knows this program. He was, an yep. he was an associate head coach under Joy Williams. So he knows the area and he has some great experience. He was also an assistant in the SEC last season with Texas A&M. So, so great job bringing him back. And then, of course, Debao, he she has her experiences with Messer at Baylor. So between so we have the one one person that knows the area well and then two people that know Messer really well. And I think these are some really good first hires for a step for a staff. Last little bit, Kyle, I was I was really um, you know, in, she seemed really happy with the with the transfers that she brought in the four the four players that she brought in who, you know, she hinted at that she knew them from before in various different I mean basketball is kind of like, you know, everybody knows somebody, you know, somebody, right. Obviously through recruiting or maybe playing somewhere else, but you know, that's, that's what we talked about before. Like the portal giveth and the portal take it away. Well, the portal is giveth thing now. Yes. Yes. Lord knows we've had the taketh away part. Uh, <laughs> previous <laughs> to this, um, you know, and I would imagine, you know, coach Messer kind of walking in like Will Smith, and the finale of French uh, Fresh Prince there at first, just coming in on an empty gym instead of an apartment. Um, but yeah, she's filling things out nicely. And, and I'm very interested, obviously, the identity and all that of the team and what they're going to look like is we're going to see more of that um, and hear more about that once practices start to take place over the summer here. But, uh, you know, one thing I found very unique talking to Coach Messer versus Coach Abe uh, and, and, you know, this isn't any, any spot on coach Abe. I mean, sure. She never used my first name like she did Eric's, but, um, you know, you're still, you're still salty. About that. I, I'm a little, I'm not salty. I'm hurt, <laughs> you know, but, but I say all the above to say, I, I learned a lot from coach Abe. Um, but it's funny with all the similarities we're talking about, they approach the game still very different. And I'm looking forward to learning a lot from coach Messer as well and and just from talking to her not to say that coach Abe couldn't recruit but you can tell Satya Messer is a recruiting body she looks like she is is bringing a vision and and, and I don't want to say sale because that kind of cheapens it but she's she 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 brings something out that that I can tell is going to reach uh potential athletes we talked about this a little bit before and before we go to a break I wanted I wanted to talk about this it I think as you and, and Eric, I think you can jump in on this too from your experience. I think as as you get to a certain point in the hierarchy of college sports, mm -hmm. it becomes less about the X's and O's, right? And how you can beat a team with beat an opponent with strategy, and more about just the raw talent you can accumulate. And that's where recruiting really it really starts to show up. We hear about recruiting all the time from, you know, 
so-called power five institutions all the time. It's recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And I think the reason why that is, is if you have players of a certain talent level, it doesn't matter what system you run. They are talented enough to run it and win, regardless, you know, regardless of how you want to run. So then it just becomes a question of against that competition, how good are the players that you're bringing in? Is, it, it, is that as UCF moves to the Big 12, particularly in women's basketball, not just in women's basketball, all sports, but Play, from talented this perspective, players make coaches yeah. and schemes work. That's not really complicated. Well, thanks, thanks oh, for thanks for explaining me everything that I just said in 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 go. as few words as possible, Eric. What would I ever do without you? Go ahead, Kyle. Hey, listen, he's thinking about the fact that we're trying to move the show along, and I respect it. But something you got to miss too. Listen, if you got every talented player you went for, there would be no challenge to recruiting, right? So what you got to start doing. Um, all the talent and, and all the X's and O's is the stuff that's done at night, watching video, uh, scouting kids, doing things like that. Recruiting is the closing of it all, right? And I think you and I talked about this separately too. Where the real winning in recruiting happens isn't just the stars, but also the role players as well. At the end of the day, somebody who's really good playing in your system has been told that they're not X enough to play in a different system. And you could get somebody that could come in and make that difference, right? Somebody yeah. told someone, somebody told Jay Flash, for example, before he came here, that he wasn't good enough receiver to be in the SEC, and he did what he did with us. And now someone else has told him, hey, you don't really fit in Gus's system. You'd be so much better over here. So if you're going to land players that complement a nucleus or can add things in or can become part of a nucleus because it's something you like to do, especially if they've heard you don't have enough X to do this paired with uh, Satya Messer's um, not just her smile, but the whole concept that she is bringing relationship and, and, and not to use the cliche family, but actually meaning it when she walks in the room, that's how you turn a kid to your side. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, you know, I think we've, it's, it's so hard to do what is being asked. It's so hard to, to follow up on success, but if somebody can do it and vault UCF forward from where it was in women's basketball, as the program moves into the big 12, Satya can, she has the experience to do it. She has the know-how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, it's, it, it's going to be, I I'm really excited about, what we have coming up in star. She's going to fill out the roster here in, in the next couple weeks. I think she said, what was it Kyle? By June 1st, she plans to have everything in. Yeah, by June 1st, and she said she wanted to fill four more spots. And listen, following an iconic year is always tough, let alone when you're there, when you're there yeah. on the block doing so, right? So it's going to be great. So thanks again to Coach Messer. Looking forward to uh, to seeing what she has in store for us next in the couple in the next uh, couple weeks, months, and uh, and years here at UCF and um and again thanks to megan for setting everything up for us too all right when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit uh, about some softball eric lopez is gonna is gonna be here to or, or talk a little bit more about ucf clinching the american athletic conference's regular season title we're gonna talk a little bit about baseball and some other news coming in one one uh, transfer for men's basketball and uh lots more to talk about when we return it's the black and gold banner podcast and we're back after this 
Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Bryson Turner with you here as we take you around the world of UCF sports. And Eric Lopez, your UCF Knights softball team is bringing home a championship. They won two out of three at Wichita State this past weekend in a matchup of the two best teams in the American. Looked a little bleak there after that first game, but they figured out the, the next two games and they, on Sunday, they win the conference or clinch the conference regular season title uh, with a victory over Wichita uh, to finish out the regular season. Now, here's why this is significant. Two reasons. Number one, obviously, you get to take home a trophy and you get rings for winning a conference regular season championship. Oh, yeah. That's great. Number two, you get a bye in the first round of the conference tournament at ECU. There's seven teams that play softball in the American the one seed gets the buy. Why that's significant, Eric, and you can elaborate on this further, is twofold. Number one, you only have to win two games to win the championship where everyone else has to win three. Number two, if all goes well, you end up, it, it, it won't hurt your RPI quite as much because you won't have an eight seed team added to your schedule that could hurt. So, as you look at the RPI, Eric, and you know, and UCF right now is is very much on the borderline. We talked about this with Terry Mahaj earlier. Uh, is very much on the line in terms of can they host? Will they host? It, it's it was big for them to get to to win this conference regular season championship. Like it was it was a really significant thing. Well, yeah, it's big. You I mean first of all, you win a conference championship's big. You get rings. I think that's the most important part of it. The, as far as the tournament, yes, they get the bye. You don't play Memphis, who hurts your uh, schedule strength. You don't have to play three games. You don't have to face Georgina Corrick, the best pitcher in the sport, who won her fourth American Conference Pitcher of the Year on Wednesday until perhaps the final in fact wichita state usf have to go through each other so that's a positive so now ucf will wait till friday to play in the semis to against either houston or tulsa if they they would probably from a schedule strength standpoint you prefer houston houston don't a big problem they tripped up ucf in houston in the last time they played uh so that could be a challenge it's going to be a challenge either way but yeah the the path is a little shorter two games instead of three uh, and we'll see what happens. They want to do the double dip. They want to do what the 2015 UCF team was able to do, and that's win the regular season and the tournament title double whammy. Uh, weather is a factor in Greenville. They have already moved up the games on Thursday uh, to 9 a.m. and noon Eastern. The weather ain't looking great on Friday, so it would not surprise me if they move up the games on Friday. Ironically enough, the weather's great here in Orlando this week. I mean, we could have played Beautiful here. week in town, yeah, isn't right. it? Just saying. Man, it's a shame. Didn't have to move tournaments around. But so, but look, it was big. I mean, to beat Wichita State on the road, two out of three, after dropping the first game where, you you know, you, lo- you lose a 4 nothing lead, the umpires pretty much decided to stop calling strikes on Gianna Mancha. So, in the first game, because... I can't, Early. we can't go an episode without Eric hitting up the umpire. I mean, look, I mean, I mean, I don't think the ump, I mean, the umpire crew would be a good crew for like a, you know, high school game in Wichita, not necessarily <laughs> division one game, but anyway, we don't have to go back. Don't there. get us canceled. But anyway, someone, someone get the, get, someone get the burner. Get no. the hook. Get the hook. But uh, UCF, bounced, UCF bounced back on the Saturday with Kamal Woodall, who I've called now the Mike Hughes of softball. 
you know, Mike Hughes made the big impact with football. Without him, they don't win. They don't go undefeated. They don't do what they did in 2017. It's the same as applied here to Kamo Woodall. They don't win the conference title. They're not in this position where they're at without her and her performance this year. Uh, she was magnificent on Saturday. And then Sunday, the bats woke up. Justine Molina with a three-run homer. They scored five in the six. And they beat a good Wichita State team and still keep themselves in position to host. It was a memorable weekend. And I had a chance to catch up with Coach Ball Malone, who's on Wednesday in Greenville, to talk about that experience. I, I haven't had it. We haven't had a chance to talk to you, obviously, since the weekend at Wichita State, historic weekend, winning the regular season title against a good Wichita in a tough place, winning the last two games. I know you've, you've had comments about it on the on the recap, but now that you've had a couple of days to kind of reflect on it, what what comes to your mind of that weekend that certainly will be remembered for a long time with the, this member of Team Twenty One? Yeah, um, you know, we, we've talked about how this group is is a calm group, you know, I mean, we, we make some mistakes, but we we're resilient, we, we bounce back and we, we have a calmness to us, um, not so much me, uh, but definitely the team and our seniors. Um, and I would even say maybe Coach Tyler, I think that's, that's where it stems from, most likely, but um, you know, to, you kind of got to see all parts of us as a group that weekend, that first game we're rocking and rolling. And then all of a sudden it's like, what happened? Um, and I think we just kind of, kind of looked around and, oh, wait, you know, they had a great crowd there. Um, you know, they had people chanting like crazy every play they made and every hit that they had or any ball that they put in play. And so, I mean, I guess that kind of got to us along with our crazy travel situation that occurred. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I was kind of upset after that game, but then I thought, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep our heads, heads high. We're going to go about it the same way. Um, they have their little cheer. I said, you better raise the roof again. And um, we're going to get back at, at it. And, um, you know, you've seen teams time, time again, that might lose the first game in a series and then go figure it out. And that's exactly what we did. And, you know, following Kema um, with that, that performance that she had on Saturday, I mean, that really like spark, spark plug the whole thing. And then, you know, we just kind of follow along, you know, to, to be able to be in that position and rest Gianna for a whole day. And she was kind of battling some things. Um, and, you know, she stuck out four or five innings the next day on Sunday. And um, I mean, both, both Kema and Gianna are just, they're, I guess, courageous is the best word for, you know, they're, they're confident, um, they're composed and they, they rely on each other. And it's just so awesome to see them lead and our team follow. <clears throat> but the crowd, you, like you said, the crowd was, you know, intimidating as heck. I didn't expect it to be that big. And um, it's hard to play there. It's hard to beat them. They're, they're a good team. They hit the ball a ton. And, and that park definitely bodes well for them um, in that manner. But, you know, our pitchers did a good job of keeping us in the game and we scored more runs than they did. So um, and then ending it with a double play like we did, I mean, can't ask for more. And it really felt like a regional, right? Setty with the crowd is as biggest crowd yeah. they've ever had packed. I mean, every play so much significance. I mean, that's got to help you too down the road, not only this week with the conference tournament, but beyond that. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and, and this is where I'm blessed as a coach, Elo. Um, you know, Shannon Doherty came up to me, and she said, you know, uh, we probably need to talk to the freshmen about 
the conference tournament and regionals and, you know, what that's going to be like and, um, you know, having the, the interviews and whatnot. And I said, well, I think that we've already gone through it. We were at St. Pete. I mean, that was like the World Series. And we've played in these big time moments. You know, we were at Florida with a packed house. We were, we were at our place in Georgia, the very first game with a packed house. Um, and so you really sit back and you're like, wow, you know, those moments can be a little overwhelming, but how blessed are we that we've had that experience? And again, we have so many youngsters that have been, have experienced so much um, in, what is it? not even three months now. So it's, it's cool. And then you've got, you know, a player like Shannon Doherty, like thinking about, okay, how can we get in front of these things? And they're like, well, okay, I'm here too. What do I, what, what do I need to do as the head coach? I got to think of some things too. They definitely keep me on my toes. Yeah. <laughs> on the toes. What went through your mind when those last outs was recorded on that ground ball? And uh, you just realized you finally won the series, you won the title. Yeah. Well, you know, um, most, I just kept telling them get outs. Um, cause normally I'm definitely pitcher minded. I don't like people to score. I don't like people to get to second. I especially do not like people to get to third. Like we, we practice lots of things where in practice, if they get to third, that we actually put a run up on the, the scoreboard. I do not like people getting to third base, especially with our pitching staff. Um, and so when those two runners, um, did get on, I, I, I just felt really confident in us. You know, you keep McKinney in the park. Awesome. You got Barnard to ground out. Awesome. Like, yeah, it may not feel like it. We've got two runners on, but I, I think, you know, we're in a win-win situation here and came and did a great job of keeping the ball down and rolling the ground ball at, at one of the easiest parts. You know, you, you got one tag and a, one throw. And so um, it all, it all panned out for us. I mean, that was what the plan was and it, and it worked that time. So um but, you know, we've been there time and time again with the, the amount of games that we've played, the amount of opponents that we played, the type of opponents we played. Um, you know, Kame has been in those situations before. And so, you know, I love that she's had that experience and able to do her thing. Yeah, it was kind of deja vu for you. Gianna getting the ball, getting the win four years ago. She got the ball and got the win when you clinched the Mountain West Championship, both of you together at Boise State. Justine was a part of that. Of course, she hits a memorable three-run homer in that Sunday that'll go down in UCF history. Uh, that has to be, I mean, it's it's kind of wild, kind of full circle with the, the, all of you there. Yeah, yeah. We definitely talked about it um, before the game, and I handed her the ball, and I said, like, I, I said something like, well, we've been here before, haven't we? And he just gives me the little smirk and smile and um, kind of the, oh gosh, coach bear, you know, the, the mom just, just don't say anything to embarrass me type of thing. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's very cool to be able to experience that with both of them and with the entire team, but pretty special when, you know, I, I had recruited them a long time ago um, when they were very young and um, I knew they had what it took, like they just not only on the field, but, you know, in the classroom, in the, in the weight room, in the community, they just, they're leaders. Um, they lead very differently, both of them, um, <laughs> from each other, but you know, they, they definitely cover all bases. And so to be able to experience that with them is, I don't know how, how many get to do it. Um, and again, just blessed is, is all I can say. Now, obviously, you're in Greenville getting set for the conference championship. You're the one, so you get a bye uh, 
So you don't play till Friday. You play the winner of Tulsa and Houston. So take us through that process where you got to wait to play till Friday while everybody else in the league uh, is going to play on Thursday. That's a good problem to have. But still, it's a, you, how, take us through the process of preparing uh, to try to win the, another conference championship here. Right. Well, um, you know, I again, we haven't been, been in this situation since I've been here, but it's an awesome situation. I think Gianna said it best in one of her interviews. Uh, with you guys. She said, we want to win this whole thing. We want to play two games and win that too, and win the regional and get to a super regional. And, um, you know, we're, we're staying in the moment with um, a forward vision for sure. Um, but I mean, it's exactly what Gianna said. It's exactly what the team has been preaching. Um, I know that, you know, we're going to get another practice in tomorrow. Uh, they, they did a good job today, real quick um, competitive practice today. And I, I know they have their eyes set on going to see the new Doctor Strange movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. What yeah. they're trying to, uh, I told them I'm away from my three boys. Like, let me get away from Marvel. Can we watch like the notebook <laughs> or something? But, <laughs> but of course they said that it, it's um, definitely something that all parties can watch. And so I, I got to jump on that wagon, I guess, you know, to be along with the team, but yeah, you know, they're, they're just being themselves. Um, got, got their little pool workout in. We're going to go watch the uh, game. I believe got moved to 9am tomorrow. So we're going to go watch that. And, um, they're excited about that. Cause last year there were kind of some restrictions with COVID of teams being able to come and watch the games. Um, and so they're excited that they get to do that. And I, I, I just remember, you know, a long time ago being in their shoes and just loving, loving being like witnessing the experience and watching teams and scouting myself and, um, so I'm, I'm glad that they get to do that and they get to enjoy it and, you know, be around it more than we were. So yes, last year. So it's going to be exciting, obviously conference championship. What's the key to being successful this week? What's the key? Just doing our thing, you know, our pitchers staying healthy. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say we, we walked more people last weekend than I would like, would have liked to, but again, that also goes with, you might like pick your poison on who you want, you know, who you want to face and that kind of stuff in a lineup, but um, getting ahead of batters, uh, playing routine defense. And then offensively um, we've seen every pitcher, you know, there's no surprise. Now it's just a matter of uh, making adjustments before the game starts and knowing you know, what, what those pitcher strengths are and, and just working towards ours. And, um, you know, I, I think we've had even more opportunities to score more runs, even in that last game against Wichita state, you know, we're popping up some bunts, maybe running into a few outs, um, you know, just things that were good. And so we've been able to overcome it, but I, I'd like to see us clean that up and then just doing our thing. Um, you know, that they, I think they checked one box off with the regular season um, championship, but you know, they're, they're not satisfied. They're very proud and excited, but they're not satisfied and uh, they want more. So yeah, there are lots of rest, lots of, lots of snacks and eating and maybe a little Dr. Strange, I guess. I've heard good reviews of that movie. I, I okay. know people yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. went to see it this week. So, uh, but we wish you very good luck. I know you're trying to join the 2015 UCF team. It's the other UCF team to have done the daily double, winning the regular season in the tournament title. There's been comparisons with the two teams. Uh, so we hope that those continue. But in the meantime, uh, good luck this week, Coach. And uh, thanks for taking the time from a busy schedule. Thank you, Elo. And, and we appreciate everything you're doing. Um, 
you know, I, I know this team has done some, some great things, but you put on a good show for us and, and really um, recognize them well. So, and, and uh, represent them well. So I thank you for that. All right. That was coach Paul Malone from Greenville. Uh, it's getting set for the American conference championship. You can check out the full interview on our YouTube channel, uh, black Eagle Banneret. But uh, so look, I mean, great weekend. Obviously the awards came out on Wednesday, quick on that. Uh, Michaela Macario, the shortstop wins the freshman of the year, rookie of the year. They call it in the American, whatever. Uh, Coach Paul Malone, the coach of the year, a staff of the year, winning for the mm-hmm. American as well. Uh, so that yeah, was huge. Justine, Justine Molina, you know, rightfully so. Justine Molina won Defensive Player of the Year in the American, rightfully so. Five first-teamers all-conference, led by Jada Cody, of course, who's had the monster year. Ashley Gray, you know, they had other players in there. Molina was a first-teamer. Kennedy Searcy is a great story, first-teamer. Gianna Mancha, first-teamer. Denali Schopacher, first-teamer. Kamal Woodall was second-team. Uh, uh, with Ashley Griffin and uh, on the second team as well. So, and Macario is on the second team. So, uh, strong, talented year, fun year. But now, you're, like I said, you got the conference tournament. You're trying to do the daily double. They're excited. You heard Coach Ball Malone say that. And obviously, the big question is if they, you know, what is that enough to host? And the answer is it, it depends what happens elsewhere. I don't, I don't believe UCF has the control. But all you can do is control what you can control, as they say, and that's win the tournament, and then you hope things work your way. So, Eric, I have a question. I was looking at these awards, and I was just intrigued because I noticed that Jada Cody and Kennedy Searcy, both unanimously selected the first team, by the way, rightfully so, that Jada was was put as the catcher on that first team, and Kennedy Searcy at third base. Now I know that Jada has seen time at different positions. Of course, Searcy has been DP a good bunch. So uh, do you have any insight on why they were selected to those positions specifically? Well, if you think about it, Gianna Mancho is first team all conference pitcher who caught Gianna Jada. So that's a combination there. Jada, by the way, joins Cassidy Brewer and Natalie Lane among UCF players that have been first team all conference at different positions. Uh, And Kennedy kind of played the majority at third base down the stretch. So both very worthy. Great story, too, with Kennedy. Remember, she injured her ACL last year in Greenville in the right. regular season. UCF was never the same. And now she wins. She's an all-first-team conference as she returns to Greenville. So that that's kind of the story with the, the, the conference awards. Obviously, Georgina Cork wins Pitcher of the Year. Fourth straight year for her. Well-earned. And Madison, uh, Addison Barnhart from Wichita State wins now Player of the Year. So... Uh, and, and real quick, I wanted to recap the first teamers too. Gianna Mancha is a pitcher. JD Co- Jada mm-hmm. Cody is a catcher. Justine Molina at second. Kennedy Searcy at third. Denali Schopacher is an outfielder. And then on the second team, Kama Woodall yep. uh, as a pitcher. Michaela Macario is an, as an infielder. And Ashley Griffin as a designated player slash utility slash non-position player. And uh, Ashley also made the all-rookie team as a catcher slash designated player as well along with Mikhail McCarr so a star-studded year yep. for UCF my question to you now Eric Lopez yep. is what's the ideal situation what do we have to watch now to to try and to see if UCF can get its best opportunity to host obviously from the in the perspective of the American tournament I'm thinking you want to play Houston in the second round because their RPI is 75 and they're playing Tulsa whose RPI is 110. So you don't want to lose any ground there, right? So so there's that. And then you want to play, and then it kind of doesn't matter if you play 
Wichita State or South Florida in terms of RPI, right? They're because both equally tough. They're, they're both equally yeah, they're tough. they're but yeah, right. They're both tough, and I think they're both well, they're not the top quite 40. back they're to both back, t- but they're both top forty. So yeah, so you want to you want to beat Houston ideally, beat either Wichita or South Florida, and then what? Well, you need some help elsewhere. Uh, for now, they got some on Wednesday. LSU was eliminated in the SEC tournament in Gainesville, losing to Mississippi State in nine innings. That should take them out of consideration for hosting. Florida, who's the host of the SEC tournament, defeated Texas A&M. They will take on Kentucky in the next round. I spoke to Tim Walton uh, after that game, prior to us recording here. They, they expect to host, and they should. They probably will host after that win. They haven't. They have hosted every year since like '04. Like he's ever since he's he's never not hosted. So I don't think you can depend on Florida to come back to you. So now you might as well root for them to knock off Kentucky. Because Kentucky could be a threat to host if they move it, make a deep run in the SEC tournament. Same thing applies to Missouri. So I would root against those two teams if I'm UCF to get knocked out as quickly as possible. Then the biggest threat of them all is in the ACC tournament, in my opinion, Notre Dame. And this is deja vu for longtime night fans because in 2015, UCF thought we were going to host after winning the back-to-back conference titles. And on Selection Sunday, everybody was surprised to see Notre Dame's name pop up as a host. Well, guess what? Deja vu. Notre Dame is an 18 in the RPI. They play Clemson in the quarterfinals. UCF needs Clemson to win that game in the worst way. You want to knock Notre Dame out. If Notre Dame beats Clemson and then, let's say, upsets Virginia Tech, they're going to probably end up hosting, and it could be at the expense of UCF. So, uh I don't even think is it's much about what UCF can do on the field. Yes, you want to win the tournament. Definitely avoid the Friday loss if you can. But you also need help elsewhere, and that's just the way the system is. And the concern, you know, obviously Washington is going to play Arizona State at home if they get swept, but Washington's a big brand. I don't see them getting passed over by UCF. And then Texas is the wild card in all this. I maintain UCF has got the better resume than Texas. They beat Texas head-to-head. Uh, but Texas has the win against Oklahoma. They're the only team in the country to beat Oklahoma. How much does the committee give them credit for that? That will decide Texas's fate. Texas will play Texas Tech, who has an interim head coach and an interim assistant coach by the name of Brandy Stewart, which should be a name familiar to (laughs) Yeah, Brandy Stewart is an interim assistant right now for Texas Tech because they fired their head coach about a week or two ago. And so she's going to be the assistant. And if you're UCF, you're probably rooting for Brandy Stewart and Texas Tech to upset Texas, to knock them off the peg in case, you know, maybe they're the team that gets plucked if somebody like a Notre Dame or an SEC team makes a run. So lots I'm rooting of for Brandy Stewart anyway. Just former UCF Texas. administrator. So. Just win against Texas. Because if I think if Texas makes it to the Big 12 final, they're going to host. I mean, the problem that UCF has is geography. Not Nobody can bust here except Florida, and Florida's going to host. Whereas teams like Kentucky and Missouri and Texas, they could all have teams that host and bust. They can bust. They can bust. And that's what's going to – that to me, if UCF does not end up hosting, it will probably be in part because of geography and a team that can bust, uh, which has nothing to do with on the field. And will probably, if they don't host, will be sent to Gainesville, Florida to play the Florida Gators in the Gainesville Regional. That's kind of how it works. I can tell you some positive news. As I spoke to Sandy Atkins, the committee chairperson, the committee has put a recommendation to the NCAA to seed the top 32 teams 
not just top 16. See, they don't seed. Interesting. And by doing that, that will eliminate some of this predictability stuff. So in other words, in theory, if they put this in, and they expect this to pass in the next year or so, if that happens, let's say UCF is seeded 17. Well, they wouldn't be going to Florida necessarily. They would go to the 16th seed, whoever that is. And let's say it's Texas. UCF would just go to Texas. So that is, uh, believe it's expected to pass. A lot of the coaches and uh, committee chair people have uh, sent that. And usually when they recommend something to the NCAA, it gets passed. They've given the option of seeding the top 32, the top 48. You pick from that. My guess is they'll pick the top 32. And I think we'll see that within the next year or two in softball. Uh, the scoreboard watching Notre Dame Clemson scheduled yep. for Thursday, 1.30 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Eric? Yep, just root for and Clemson. The, yep, root for, root Clemson. for Clemson. And uh, it should be noted, uh, when those two teams, Notre Dame and Clemson, played earlier this season, Clemson beat Notre Dame twice yep. uh, in Sa- in Clemson, South Carolina. So, um, so we, we need one more. Come on, Tigers. So that's the scenarios. Those are the scenarios. We'll find out Sunday night, All 7 right. Eastern, on the uh, on their selection show on the Deuce. Myself and Bryson will be there at the UCF watch party. And Bryson, I know we've got another uh, – got a feature that's going to be out here on Banneret, if not already yeah. by the time this comes out, uh, on UCF. One of the players not mentioned in the all-conference, but just a, j- super important on this team's success this year. Oh yes, for sure. I am. I will probably die, die on the hill that it is highway robbery that Shannon Doherty, the walk-off queen, is not on a conference team. Like they put her on second team. She doesn't have to be on first team. Like, she, like she is one of the big reasons that UCF is even in this position to host in the first place because she got those walk-off hits against Georgia in the very first game of the season. Eric Ole Miss. And then Virginia Tech, those wins really build your national reputation and to get you in this position to possibly host in the first place. So I got we got the chance to talk to Shannon. The video is up there, um, is up on the Black and Gold Banner at YouTube channel right now and will also be linked in the article in full. You'll also be able to relive the, the Shannon Doherty walk-offs. I linked the, uh, all, three of the, uh, all three of them throughout the story. And you'll be able to learn how Shannon Doherty became the walk-off queen that she is. And I was ve- very excited to have gotten that done uh, considering I had to write it right after, right around the time finals was going on. It was a bit stressful, but it was a very, it was a very rewarding thing to write. And I'm excited for everyone to, re- to read it. Awesome. Awesome. Good. And good work again. Once again, Bryce, it's fantastic stuff. All right. Now uh, you continue to be busy uh, with uh, UCF baseball. It wasn't a very good uh, weekend for the baseball team as they went to Tampa for that second rivalry series with uh, South Florida lost two out of three. And then earlier uh, today, they uh, fell at Miami drop, put, put, 10 runs on the board and lost 16 to 10 in midweek at number six, Miami, um, which is, uh, you know, obviously a bummer, but let's look at the big picture here right now. All right. So and let's, let's throw out the RPI right now. UCF, UCF baseball right now is 28 and 20 and 11 and seven in the American. As we look at the standings and we're heading into the home stretch here for baseball. They have just seven games left on the schedule. 
three at Houston this coming weekend, home for midweek against Bethune-Cookman, and then home for senior weekend, three games against uh, Cincinnati. Uh, for As far as baseball is concerned right now, they are still hanging on to hopes for the regular season crown, but really that doesn't matter, Bryson, I don't think. I think right now what matters is getting themselves healthy for the conference tournament. ECU's at 14-4, and four, leading the conference, two games ahead of Houston. UCF can leapfrog ahead of Houston if they have a good weekend this weekend at at the Cougars, it's going to be tough uh, because the Knights are 11 and seven, one game back at Houston for second Tulane, who UCF uh, uh, won their series with earlier this year uh, is uh, one game back of UCF and Cincinnati is one game back as two games back of UCF. So this is a log jam in the top five of this conference right now. And these teams are jockeying for position for the American conference uh, tournament. Don't forget it's, you know, it's two pods of four one, four, five, and eight in one pod, one double elimination pod, and then two, three, six, seven in the other double elimination pod. And then the the winners of those pods play in a winner take all championship. So what's the plan right now? And what is, what is it right now that you think is kind of holding UCF back a little bit that went off the rails a little bit this weekend in Tampa? Well, I think it has to do with the pitching. It's so ironic because this pitching was this team's strength in the beginning of the season with uh, yep. with healthy Connor Stain and Hunter Patterson. And before the season started, we were rich, we were going to return, you know, key up, uh, you know, talented relievers like Nick Vieira and Zach Bennett. Yep. Injuries, you said, you injuries, said it too. It, it was injuries. it's flipped. It's yep. completely flipped. Hasn't injuries it? has injuries have wiped and or hindered all of them stain is now out again so it's i was out again this week weekend so i i don't know if it's just they're just really trying to keep him healthy for conference or the injuries are legit flaring up with him not really sure but hopefully he will be healthy for the conference tournament because this team needs it the good news though is that it looks like we could potentially have a starting pitcher that is emerged late a la hunter patterson last season in Ben Vespi. Ben Vespi actually had a, um, in UCF and UCF's lone win of the war on I four series had another career game going six innings, allowing three hits, just one run struck out a career high eight batters. Vespi is now put together two straight quality starts now. And when, if you're a UCF pitching staff that is dealt with injuries and with stain being as hindered as he is having a guy like Vespi do that, is absolutely is absolutely paramount and so so if Vespi can keep this together then that is definitely going to be something though they'll, they'll be they can be able to take advantage of in the conference tournament but the other thing is the inconsistent bullpen play um here's the stats from the Miami game that actually com- proves my point exactly because the pitchers pretty much pitched an inning at a time for mostly in that game Williams William Saxton three hits allowed five runs Ruddy Gomez allowed one hit ended up with three ended up with two walks ended up allowing three runs jacob marlowe five two innings five hits three runs now hunsaker castellano balzer and litchfield all had either zero or one hit allowed and then cy cox went out and allowed five hits and four runs it's these ink and the thing is is that that is that those stats could completely flip depending on the series you're in. Because William Saxon has had his good games. Cy Cox has had his good appearances. Zach Hunsicker's had his bad appearances. So 
the problem is we can't really put put a pin on this on on which player is going to show up when Lovelady calls them out of the bullpen. Ideally, you would want to have the best version of every player come out, but we just haven't really been able to see that consistently with this team. Now, the good news is that the offense is, is the offense has been a lot better. And I think that outrunning these teams is going to be something that's important because you see, I put up 10 runs against number six ranked Miami. That's not nothing. And I think it's this offense that's going to have to step up and, and in order to keep the um, in order to make sure any errors, the pitching staff make isn't going to hurt. The problem is, is that that didn't happen in games two and three, against South Florida. They were very, very close, very low scoring, very close games. So the pitching actually was fairly okay in those games, which was good. But the problem is, is that the offense didn't step up. So it seems that the offense and the defense just can't seem to get the stars to align enough times in order to get the win. And they're going to need that in the conference, in the conference tournament. So, I mean, Hey, we saw them make a run to the championship last season. It looks like we could have to, in order to see history repeat itself in order for the Knights to find success and hopefully reach the postseason. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you shouted out Ben Vespi there. Cause actually his last three, uh, three games, all starts, he's been uh, really solid. He's given up only uh, seven hits total in 17 and a third, three earned runs and struck out 20 over that over the course of that stretch. So he's Absolutely. been solid. And UCF is going to have to rely on him as they finish out um, the regular season and head to and get ready to head to uh, Clearwater. Let's uh, skip over to women's golf at the Ann Arbor Regional. Uh, UCF finishes uh, as a team 57 over par, 11th place. So that ends their season. They had to finish in the top five in order to advance against the NCAA championships. Four, top four. Zoe, Zoe, or top four. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Bryson. Zoe Alau uh, was the top night at plus eight for the tournament that she finished in 18th place. Jess Baker finished in 26th. Uh, Pat Pidden finished in 29th. So uh, the season comes to an end for UCF, but uh, another successful postseason for head coach Emily Marin. Yeah, I would. Yeah, making it to the postseason, I think, is definitely a victory for the program where it is right now. Um, Tenrata Pitten coming in, uh, coming in when I did the math, Tenrata Pitten was in position to actually break the season low scoring average record. I did some calculations myself, and if my calculations are right, I believe she broke it by about 0.2, about 0.2 strokes. But um, but that's just my math, uh, my, my math. So. Uh, at, so still a well, very well done season from Tarada Pitten. It just seems like it wasn't her weekend this weekend where she ended up, fi- ended up finishing at 12, uh, at 12 over and a tie for 29. It's also just a really, a really hard course as well. Only two players finished under par and the first place was six, was six under. And then second place was one under. So very, very tough course to handle. Um, unfortunately, we, they also had some bad games from um, bad tournaments from Anna Laura Collado and Alyssa Lamoureux. It's unfortunate that their UCF Knights careers are going to end like that, but with those roster spots now being open, now we can bring in some, some new from fresh faces that could potentially, um, you know, help be, you know, uh, help along with Zoe Alo and Tenrata Pitten, who have already proven themselves to be, a, who you know, AAC Freshman of the Year and AAC Player of the Year, respectively, and be able to help the team be able to a, instead of instead of hindering them because it's a, the combined score of four golfers that gives the team 
its score. So I'm very interested to see what new faces Coach Emily Marin will bring in. She's a great coach, and I think she'll she'll do fine. And then I'm excited to see what what else we'll be able to see out of Pitten and Alo because if last if last if this season's any indication, they can really put together some good tournaments when they're really on the money. Women's tennis uh, beat Alabama in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, four to nothing down in Coral Gables before falling to number nine, Miami in the second round. Um, so close once again for UCF women's tennis, but just couldn't get the win, uh, in Miami's place, uh, losing four to one. So their season ends at 16 and eight, uh, as well, but a job well done once again for, uh, Brian Kenyeko and his team also getting to the postseason. Oh, yes, indeed. And on and uh, it, there's a, a little bit of flashbacks here, Eric, because or it, it, Jeff, Eric's here, too, um, the because they this team swept Alabama to open up the postseason back in 2019. And then they go to the second round and they lose against Miami, which is something this team is familiar with as well. So um, uh, it's unfortunate they couldn't get past the second the second round. But I will say that uh, very well done to Nandini Sharma, who man who picked up a win in singles play against Alabama to tie the second longest singles play winning streak in program history. Unfortunately, that streak came to an end when she lost when she lost to Alabama, to Miami's Audrey Bach Collins. But still, an absolutely well done stretch this season for Nandini Sharma, and they still managed to pick up the doubles point against Miami, which isn't which isn't nothing. So. Very well done season. They're only going to be losing one player in Evgenia Levashova. So hopefully this coming season, the uh, next season, they'll be able to hopefully get an ace because that's one thing that I think this team needs. But as far as reliability goes, I think this team is very, very reliable. And I think we'll be able to see that going forward. But we're not done yet because Marie Mattel is going to be in the NCAA singles championship from May 23rd to 28th. She's slated for that. And on May 23rd to May 28th, after the team championship is all done. So while the team is done, we still have a little bit more women's tennis action to go in about two weeks. All right. And uh, last but not least, we do have one more postseason. Co- well, actually, two more postseasons, I should say, coming up. Men's golf is going to New Haven, Connecticut, uh, to the NCAA regionals. They're going to face they're, they're going to be in the tournament against Yale. Uh, or, or hosted by Yale, it should, I should say. It will take place from uh, Monday, May 16th through Wednesday, May 18th. Uh, it's one of six regionals. The top five teams and the low individual not from one of those teams uh, advances to the NCAA uh, championship. And then also uh, track and field. Uh, here we go. This is the, the postseason for track and field. Bryson Turner is wringing his hands at this. Because uh, the Knights, once again, sweep the weekly awards. Renia Jones, of course, winning one of them. And this Friday, they head to the American uh, Championships. And uh, and this is, again, a chance for UCF. to they, they should be one of the favorites to win the conference championship in the outdoor uh, season based on their performance so far to this point, Bryson. Oh, very much so. And what's really exciting for me is that it's not is that Renaya Jones is just one of plenty of weapons that the, that this team has. Latasha Smith has broken out this season in the 400 meter events. Adrian Adams set a new school record in the discus throw. Ashira Collins has been doing very well on the jumps alongside Jasmine Scott. Kilgo. Brittany Floyd has been doing extre- extremely well in the hept- in the heptathlon. There is 
plenty of weapons that this team has at its disposal that a champ that a championship is a very real possibility for them. So I am very excited to see to see this tournament. Hopefully they can sweep both the indoor and the outdoor championships the, this weekend. And rowing heads to the American Athletic Conference Championships as well. The Knights looking to get back on top of the American. They dominate. Remember, Eric, they dominated the American five straight championships, got knocked off their perch last year. Now they're coming back. Oak Ridge, Tennessee is the host uh, for the AAC championships uh, on Sunday, an all-day event on Sunday. This, this used to be out in what, Sarasota, right, Eric? Over by Drew? Somewhere out there on the West Coast, and that now it's up in Oak Ridge, I don't Tennessee. Remember, I, I, yeah, I don't remember all that. I do know that uh, this will be an interesting tournament because remember SMU won last year, and I think going in SMU is the favorite. So, uh, and again, remember if you don't win the conference championship, you're not uh, you're not guaranteed to make the tournament. So this is your best shot. So right. We'll see how they right. come out here on Sunday. Yeah, I, I you know, it's it, forgive me for going on about rowing for a hot second, but Again, I, it this particular sport to me is exciting to follow because number one, yeah, you have a number of scholarship athletes in rowing, but you know there are a lot of walk-ons on the rowing team that come on board um, and are regular students walking around the campus just like just like we were and just like you are, Bryson, and yet they're on this rowing team and they share in this. As well, not just you know being part of the main varsity boats, but you know they're they're on those ergs every day at the UCF rowing facility in Lake Pickett, working hard. And uh, yeah, I, to me, I always thought uh, for me, I always thought like rowing was like the people's sport because you know it, I, I saw so many rowers all, quite often out there. I remember as a student because they were all working, they were all there, and they were all walk-ons, you know, and they were there to you know some of them were there like, hey, I want to get in shape, but they made the team. So I, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, uh, hopefully get back on top. And then uh, one last little bit of news as well, Bryson Turner, looks like we have one more addition to the men's basketball roster to talk about. Yes, we got, we got word from his, his personal social media and UCF men's basketball, I believe retweeted it. J- Jalen Young is going to be coming to UCF from Baton Rouge Community College. So now we have a JUCO transfer to add to this men's basketball roster. There's still two scholarship roster spots remaining. So they're still going to, so we're still going to probably see a couple more moves from Johnny Dawkins in that perspective, but looking at what young did as a fret at young did at BRCC, he did extremely well. He had, he ended up getting 398 points, which for comparison, the second highest score on the team last season, 222 points when, when a hundred, 13.1 a game too. And he shot, uh, he wasn't a great three point shooter to only 29%, but he's a six, two freshman guard originally from, uh, Dallas, Texas. So he should be able to help out uh, at least uh, quite possibly as a, as a one because um, he averaged 2.6 assists per game, but also could help out uh, as a, as a two, I think coming off the bench as well. Is that right? Yeah. I think that would probably be what I imagine that he's, that he would be very great at because Daw- Dawkins is with the players that he's brought in now, Dawkins, I 
think ha- unless um, training, ca- um, unless, you know, the preseason and train and camp and all that stuff uh, changes some things on paper, the starters are more than likely already there from, from, from the people that we've seen. Now the big thing is going to be finding the adequate role players and de- and depth players on, on this basketball team. And for a guy like Jalen Young, like bringing these Juco guys is a great way to develop those things. And Young looks, Young looks like is a very good raw talent on there for scoring. And I think that's going to be very good to have to back up who I would imagine Darius Johnson. So it's, it, it'll be a good asset to have on the bench. And it'll be very, and a very, right. very interesting to see what he does. All right. So we're hoping for some more that one last thing we want to end on. This is for us old hats, Eric Lopez. Uh, happy trails to former UCF head men's basketball coach. Uh, and up until uh, recently, uh, assistant coach at the University of Iowa, Kirk Spira. Kirk uh, announced his he would be retiring uh, as of June the 30th, ending a 43-year career in basketball coaching. He coached 17 of those years were as UCF's head coach. UCF's only four conference championships as a Division I school came under Kirk Spira, including back-to-back 2004-2005. As members of the A-Sun, he coached UCF into the Conference USA days, um, uh, was let go in 2010. um, But at the time, it was was pretty clear, Eric, the, the impression that he left on UCF basketball in his more than decade of a half year at UCF. He was beloved by the students. Um, beloved by us after we were students. And it, it was so helpful um, and beloved by his players and not just his players, but all, all of us. I, I, I can personally attest to the impact that Kirk Sparrow had um, on my life and my early career as, as a college student, as a student broadcaster. You know, we were just uh, a, a group of scrubs running around, you know, running around broadcasting basketball games. But he appreciated the fact that, you know, we put forth the effort to um, put together a, a professional sounding broadcast every time. And we went on the road to places like Georgia State, Mercer, FAU, Jacksonville. And um, and he made me a better broadcaster by you know, allowing his players to come and talk to us in post game afterwards, um, allowing his assistant coaches uh, to come and do post game talks with us. Um, and, and that allowed us to, you know, hone our skills as interviewers um, with the student radio station at the time, WNSC, and uh, also um, gave his assistant coaches the experience that they needed with us. And, and the amount of trust and faith that he had in us as students, um, even, even if we, we weren't players, we weren't managers, um, I'll never forget it as long as I live. And, uh, and I'm so thankful to Coach Kirk. Um, you know, he was uh, a, a gentleman, uh, a, 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 a real um, wonderful ambassador of college basketball. And uh, congratulations to Kirk on his retirement. Uh, of course, his son, uh, he's got four kids, um, you know, Drew, Brooke, Dustin, and Bailey. Uh, Drew, most recently, he's an associate. Uh, he's an administrator with the WAC Conference, the Western Athletic Conference, of course, 
played basketball here at UCF his last couple of years. Um, and uh, 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 wow, I, I just uh, I, I'm uh, congratulations to Kirk. Yeah, he met he has meant so much to so many people who came through UCF at the time that we did, Eric, and uh, and and times before that and times after that too. Yes, that is correct. Everything you said is correct. I uh, I think he'll end up in the UCF Hall of Fame here down the road, and who knows, maybe we'll see him back in sitting in the stands for a UCF game now that he's retired. I, I Mike O'Donnell, shout out, make it happen, buddy. Let's go, Taylor Young, yeah. let's make it happen. Well, he's uh, got a lot of people who want to bring him back down here. Ty, yeah. you mentioned Mod, um, you know Jimmy Skiles, you know, and yeah, because I don't, I don't think he's been back since obviously he departed, and uh, that was because he went to Iowa right about a decade ago. So Wait, he, he went to Iowa right after UCF let him go. He's been, he's been yeah, back. No, he, yeah, he's, he, he's he, an Iowa, he's an Iowa alumnus. He actually played for Lute Olson. Yeah. Everyone remembers Lute Olson at Arizona. Well, well, Lute was at Iowa prior to Arizona. Yes. He played for Lute there and, uh, and, uh, and then went back to Iowa and was an assistant for 10, for, for 12 years. Yes. After leaving UCF. So success helped build the Iowa program back to being a perennial tournament team there as an assistant. Uh, he's an Iowan, uh, but a great guy. I, I'll never forget. Obviously, I dealt with him too as a student. And then even most recently, uh, you know, I would book him on the radio show when I was a producer on Tuck and O'Neill. He would be on during, the, you know, I would have him on from time to time to talk college hoops, especially during the tournament. Always great to hear him talk basketball. And I remember. 2018, after uh, head coach Renee Lewis Gillespie left UCF to take the Iowa softball job. And the person that I actually reached out through Iowa department was Kirk. I asked for Kirk and I get the phone call from Kirk and he's like, Hey man, well, you know what, you know, need is everything. You know, it's like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not here to do any, I don't need any official quotes and everything. I just want you to ask to tell, to have to tell me Renee just went there. Is she going to be taken care of over there? And he says, you got my word. I would not have uh, told her to come if I didn't think she would get taken care of. And yeah. uh, honor class personified should be in the Hall of Fame, UCF Hall of Fame, eventually, uh, sooner than later. And I, uh, whatever that UCF, ba- if they do UCF basketball alumni next year, uh, maybe that could be a big moment there. We see the captain, uh, Kirk Sparrow, back on the court for the first time in over a decade. That could be a pretty emotional moment. If it happens. I hope so. I hope I, I, I amen. I hope so. So congratulations, coach Spira on, uh, on an outstanding career in basketball job. Well done. We hope you come back home sooner rather than later. Cause we miss you down here and we'd love to see you. So, all right. So that's going to do it for us here on the black and gold banner at podcast. Uh, thanks to Kyle Nash, the SOTG for the student of the game on Twitter. Thanks to Bryson. It's Bryson Turner. And of course, Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter, as well as myself, Jeff underscore Sharon. Thank you so much to Terry Mahajer for his time. It's TMS of her time. Also, thanks to John Heisler and Megan Herboth from UCF for helping us set up those interviews as well. Make sure you follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN on Twitter, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Download this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you already do, send us a rating. Let us know how we are doing. And don't forget to share this podcast with a fellow UCF friend uh, whenever you get the chance. So for Kyle Nash, Eric Lopez, Bryson Turner, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you.